Okay, grand. What what is the football equivalent of avocados and toast? Oh, forest green rovers, those fucking bell ends. <sighs> no, you see, I don't think they would support the avocado trade. No, that's a good yeah, thing, they're actually. Pretty, they're they're actually pretty cool. If I ever if I ever when on the rare occasions I play FIFA, they're usually my go to team. I like them. Yes, don't I like I, I like forest green rovers. Mm. I think the drab toast, dry toast of a football team is probably Everton. You know, no, no, they're way no, they're way too old fashioned No, way way too old fashioned <laughs> Dry toast is too good. It's too flavorful yeah. for Everton. Like toast is just like it. It does the same job all the time. You can't say that of Everton. Like you with toast, <laughs> you know what to expect. Brighton. You don't have any heightened expectations of toast. You don't go oh, maybe this toast is going to be the best thing ever. No, it's gonna be oh look at that toast. It's toast. See, it's been it's been a bit of a shitty year because we got beaten by Everton, so I can't really put the boot into just how generally terrible they are because every single barb I hit them with has a kind of reverse barb on it going, <laughs> Yeah, but you know you lost to these fuckers in it's like the thing where you're pointing at you before pointing back at you. That's the idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it, what is going to be my nomination for worst game of the fucking this season? Like oh. it's been fucking yeah. terrible. We'll get yes. to that, yes. Um, hello, everyone. In, in case you haven't got that from the very dynamic and fluid intro, uh, welcome to the Liquid Football End of Year Awards. Woo! Um, yeah, we're doing that thing where we rec- where we start to record mid-conversation because everybody does that now. We are very niche. We are very, very cool. <laughs> um, we're so niche. <laughs> we are so cool. We're all wearing turtlenecks right now, and you can't say otherwise because you can't see us. So mm-hmm. that's how it works. Um, I like what you know with yours, Bert, but very, very nice color, I have to say. Um, I didn't realize burgundy was your color, but until, until I see it, and it's like, wow, that makes makes complete burgundy. sense. Burgundy, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, as I said, we're going to do what every podcast does, and we're doing end of season awards. We haven't come up with a name for the awards because we literally just thought it was up like a couple of hours ago. Um, any takers on the the cans? We call them the cans, cans of liquid football. Yeah, fuck whatever. No, we're yeah. drinking cans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We have to specify on that, you're right. But um, but yes, we're, we're all here again, at last. The three of us, myself, Neil and Burke, are here. Um, I'm awake! Yes, <laughs> it's amazing what scheduling can do to people. But um, we are here on our regular scheduled programming. Uh, and it's New Year's Eve as well. It's all very exciting. Um, well, not for you, because it'll be next year when you literally see this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, guys, it's been a bit of a year of football all the same, hasn't it? It's, it's, um, it's been certainly been something. There's been a lot of football for a year following a year that had very little football and we complained about that. Mm. Uh, it's good that we, we have football again. Um, and there was loads of talking points, most of which you're going to have to remind me of because, you know, I was you were asleep for a lot of it. I do. Yeah, you were. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's been one of those years where people are like, that was this year? That was this year? That was this year? That was this fucking year? Fuck. <laughs> mm. So crazy. Like we started off this calendar year with Joe Montemurro as our manager. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's mad. I feel like that's been a, a there's been such a turnaround at the Arsenal women that uh, yeah, you wouldn't think it was like this calendar year. Oh, totally different management. Hmm. Like I said, it's, um, it's kind of funny Stephen Kenny. Well. Stephen Kenny's done a lot this year. Yeah, he has. He has, to be fair. He yeah. started I mean, off being worse than dirt on your shoe, and now he's high king of Ireland. Like, I don't think there's any bigger <laughs> rise up than that. Well, you say that, Bert, but Liam Brady doesn't think he's all that. I mean, he's only <laughs> won two games. You know, he's not, he's not qualified <laughs> for anything. You know, he's 
he's not qualified for anything, Barkwell. He hasn't won anything. It's like, okay, we're going to put the old man in the corner for a while and let him shed as a reflection for a while, all right? Anyway, um, we'll get to that, I'm sure, in the, in the moment of the conversation. But we do have a few segments uh, for uh, this wonderful podcast that we're doing because we definitely had segments before and we have just, we didn't uh, certainly decide that, ah, fuck it, we'll just like talk for an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> so uh, to start off this show, uh, we're not going to do the league table because the league has won. Man City has won the league. Well, congratulations, lads. You're a bunch of boring <laughs> bastards. Um, literally, I don't know how you can make winning games boring, but well done, Man City. You've done it. You've actually made winning boring. Yeah, by the time um, this th- by the time this drops, they they could be like eleven points ahead. They could be, yeah. They could be. And you know what? It's we only have ourselves to blame. We had such high expectations of a three horse race, and Man City ruined it. They ruined it. They, they, they fucking ruined it. They, that's all I can say. They ruined well, it. I think you'll find that Chelsea ruined Chelsea it. Chelsea very much ruined themselves, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they played themselves as well. Yeah, and it, it has been hilarious. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, that's been one of my favourite, like, you know, plot lines of this soap. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good yeah. to watch somebody else's sideshow, Bob, repeatedly walk into rakes. Isn't it weird when, like, Arsenal not being the joke that someone else just seamlessly jumps in to fill the void? It is quite nice, isn't it? Like, it, well, there's, it, there's no shortage of contenders now this, this season now. The, the league has been a fucking clown car. It has been, um, yeah, which we'll get to, I'm sure. <laughs> so, uh, we have on the spot uh, thought about some uh, very generic and very specific awards for tonight. And uh, that's what we're going to do, first of all, for our Cannes Award Ceremony. No, just cans, not not the, the French town. Yeah, exactly. Bag of cans. There we go. So the first bag of cans goes to moment of the year. So this is our favorite footballing moment of the year. There's a single solitary moment of joy or schadenfreude or anything in between. Uh, and we're going to award it between it. So it's going to work as we kind of do with the hand of cod. We all come up with one and we all then mutually agree on who we think is the best one. So uh, Burkbot, would you like to start off with your moment of the year? Yes. And you actually are a big part of that. <gasps> it was oh, the 11 nil win. Oh, um, you fucker. I was going to suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> that was just such a fun game. Uh, Ireland uh, versus some team. Um, who was Georgia. it? <laughs> Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Georgia. Georgia. Um, so to your opponents. <laughs> um, who, despite losing 11 nil, their goalkeeper was their best player who pulled off. I felt off so bad for her. I really absolutely did. Absolutely unbelievable saves in that game. But mm. they're never, ever going to get looked at. There's never going to be a highlight reel of that match that she's ever no. going to look, want to look at. But, um, oh no, it was just, it was just, we're at a record breaking, um, uh, obviously, scoreline. Um, yeah. The attendance, despite the weather being. Like, oh, that was horrendous weather! Horrendous <laughs> weather. We got a really good attendance at it. Um, in a time where obviously attendance has been restricted because of COVID and whatnot, mm. um, and it was just really fun. And it was just, I was buzzing for days after that. And like, it is something that I actually it reached into the psyche of people who don't watch football. Like whether they watch football and don't watch women's football. People in the staff room were coming up to me and being like, oh my God, Ireland had like, Insane, were yeah. you like, I presume you were at that game. And I was like, I was. And they're like, oh my God, like, you know, it, it, it breached like, you mm. know, the, the consciousness of other people who don't like sports even. But uh, yeah, that was fun. 
We should specify here, like, I mean, people to any international listeners of this show, this doesn't happen to Ireland, like, teams. We're usually, we're, we're usually getting beaten 11 now. Not even that, though, but it's, it's like a case of oftentimes you'll have, like, we're the team that, like, punches upwards. We'll, might, might mug a, a few points off Italy or Germany or whatever it is. And yeah. it's a case of, like, when we get to the teams like Luxembourg, for example, we lose. Or Azerbaijan, we lose. And it's just like, oh, why would you? Like, like we can't actually, we're, we can't beat small teams, you know, because we're so used to fighting upwards. This is the first time I've actually seen us comfortable against a team smaller than us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, we okay, showed our had... class. We, we know we exactly. have class. Yes. And this time we got to show it. We didn't get dragged down to their level, which happens. Like I'm thinking the Ukraine games, both the home and the away game. Now, Ukraine are not a team yeah. that are to be like sniffed at, but I definitely think we've better 11 players on paper mm. when we go and play them. But we, they kind of played a totally different and violent style to us. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we went down to their level. So uh, yeah, no, it was great just to see like, Absolute like performances from people like Kate McCabe got player of the match. Oh, Denise O'Sullivan got robbed. I, I was, yeah, like that match was Denise's um, show. Like, there's but no Denise better. It was not the one where after the match, I think, it was a Vera Powell just stuck her head and it's like, is it Katie's mom who's picking these awards? Uh, so it was, it was, was Rachel. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Katie's mum. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that, that'd be my moment anyway. Um, and yeah, just. Great. Okay. I'll, I'll throw on my one then. Uh, this one comes from the start of the year, as a matter of fact, from the previous season, 2021. Uh, again, this is my second pick if you weren't going for the Ireland match. I don't know why I thought that you wouldn't. <laughs> but, um, uh, it's it's kind of like the one like kind of hilarious moment. There's actually There was a few very funny moments from last season that I could pick out for on a Liverpool stand front. Um, anything to do with Nat Phillips was just like comedic gold because... The fact that we have now centered ourselves around a large-headed man from Bolton really showed how desperate times were at Liverpool. <laughs> where we have superstars galore, but it's a big, massive like hole punched through our hole, and we're like we're taking in water constantly. And all we can do is fit his head into the hole to plug it, and that is what we did. Uh, the fact that we he'll probably get a transfer in January because of that, I think is great because like he, he fucking deserves it. He, he, he pulled this team out of the fire, you know, but the moment I'm taking is from uh, the West Brom game we had uh, towards the end of the season. So there was a point where it actually didn't look like we we're going to get Champions League football at all. We were floating around in fifth and sixth and so forth. And there were teams ahead of us that looked more likely. Um, then we got a, we, we got a rich in form again because Nat Phillips uh, was in the squad and we went on a run of 13 games unbeaten wins and draws, which was, Fucking surreal. Uh, but again, it was getting touch and go in terms of actually getting to, to the top four. Um, so we were struggling against West Brom with Big Sam, by the way. So, you know, like he's going to like, you know, kick you in the kidneys whenever he gets a chance. Um, and we needed a winning goal. And the three legendary words were, here comes Alison. And like to further encapsulate how weird and strange and out of context that season is. Alison Becker scoring a winning goal that essentially scored us three points that gets us to third place is very fucking strange. Um, but it's also how like it kind of encapsulated the emotional relief of the team as well, because outside of football, the Liverpool team went through 
horrendous shit over the year. Again, we had like long-term injuries for Van Dyke from an idiot. Gomez from just his knee deciding he didn't want to play for England anymore, which I guess is fair enough. Don't blame him. Uh, Matip deciding that his ankle was done with football for a while too, which is totally understandable. Thiago didn't really turn up. Kate had long COVID. Alison's dad died when he's in Brazil and couldn't come back to, to for his funeral. Uh, Jurgen's uh, mother died as well. So there's a lot of like unfortunate things happened in that team in that calendar year. As like it was like one, it was like it, there was like a hex over the, the team for so long. And for some reason, I think the Allison goal just seemed like a symbolic thing, like this is it, the, the fucking gray skies are gone type of deal. And even when he did score the goal, like oh, Jesus, he, he, he couldn't even interview Allison afterwards. He was, in, he was in tears because of it, you know. So I think as a solitary moment, and even that with like the kind of like the, the few seconds afterwards where he does score the header and everyone realized, oh, fuck, Allison scored. You can hear like Carragher having a little giggle in commentary, and like the the coach and staff all like little ch- like children getting like PS fives on Christmas type of deal, going like, "Oh my fucking god!" <laughs> you know, a, a great moment in of itself, but also like a great bit of relief in what was a <clears throat> pretty dire season for Liverpool, all things considered. I t- that's one I forgot happened this year. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly one of those. Oh, that was in March <laughs> or April, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, Neil, your moment of the year. I'm going to go with simple. Actually, funnily enough, this doesn't involve uh, an Irish person or an Arsenal player. But I actually genuinely think like one of the best things I've seen for quite a while, and I was reacted with quite terribly as well because she got booked for it, was care absolutely leftly. <laughs> dumbass <laughs> motherfucker. I just thought it was yeah. just like, absolutely. You know, just... You just want to see a footballer do something. You're like, oh man, I wouldn't put up with this shit. I'd just fuck him um, up. As it turns mm. out, that um, the women's teams um, are not protected by law. So it is yeah. a criminal offence to storm a men's match, but a women's yeah, it's, match. It's, it's to do with the wording of the law. Basically, it's like a uh, it's like a chartered match. The, the offence mm. only states you can only it's only a criminal offence if you interrupt like a chartered match, which includes all FIFA, UEFA, FA Cup, Milk Cup, all that type of stuff. But women's games aren't chartered matches, so, so they don't fall into that category. So there's actually nothing the guy can do. Oh, nothing the police can do. Like all they can do is just tell him how to fuck off. Well, now they know what to do. Yeah, now they know. Hey, Sam. Yeah, just fucking level. <laughs> But it's brilliant. Like I've actually got, I'm actually watching it now, and it's just hilarious. Because as he's taking a selfie, she just comes up on the blind side and just. That's a check an ice hockey player would be fucking proud of. Like, yeah. I, I, like I yeah. my, Sam Kerr is not the biggest person on the pitch there. I think she's that five was someone like. Two. Yeah, she's five foot two. Imagine if there was someone like Louise Quinn coming up to that person. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been literally he- anyone else. <laughs> yeah yeah no uh no that's a brilliant moment i liked that she did mm. there there was the debate of like look that's that's assault and like he only catched like apparently he only catched the last few minutes of him being on the pitch he'd gone over i don't know is it to magda erickson and said something to her and mm. you know it was a threatening situation for them since she was like nah not having this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> brilliant so, so again, we have our we have our voting system here. So we kind of work in a in a system here. So, uh, Burpa, so you know that I was there for that for that match. Uh, 
I'm going to hold off on it because we do have a category coming up that is best match of the year. So mm. I'm going to hold off on that. Um, I was a big fan of the Sam Kerr uh, basically slap, like slapping that shit, that little shit down. So I'm going to go with that personally. Um, but uh, I'd like to hear what you guys think about your personal moments. Which one would we go for? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the care thing as well. <laughs> I, like, I, I, as a now goalkeeper, like scoring a goal is like, oh, that would be fun to do. Um, yeah. But, you know, as a former out player, field player, I'm like, oh, yeah, goals. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I understand like it is so um, it is such a moment. But no, I have to go sound care. Yeah, that, that works, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, our moment of the year was Sam Kerr body checking at twat. Fair play. <laughs> and and uh, if you're that twat listening, well done. You have just uh, you just proven everyone wrong. I was Fair actually enough. one of my other. Funnily enough, my other moment of the year also involved her, but it was her and uh, Mewis. You know, the photo of the two of them sat in the. <laughs> <laughs> they're lesbian, Stacy. They're lesbian, Stacy. I was just like, yes, yes. Because when when you mentioned it, it's like, oh, um, it, my one could be summed up with three words. I was like, mine can as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you aware of that story, Jonathan? Uh, remind me again, because I think I it, I think it rings a bell, but I'm not too sure. At the World Cup, Australia were playing America, and okay. at the end of the game, flirting not couple on off on social media couple uh over multiple social media platforms by the way they wasn't just (laughs) confined to one like they were chatting each other up on like Like, visibly like on instagram like oh dm me kiss kiss and like you know all of that proper lesbian pollen going on yeah yeah um and i can't remember the name of the photographer but it is a fabulous shot of Mm. Care, who's obviously sitting on the ground, exhausted, you know, taking in the moment after the game, and Lewis going over and offering like a hand, you know, to sit and they sit down beside each other, and it's clearly, you know, it, but it's a lovely like oh, you know, the co- one of the comments underneath the photo was, what a lovely display of sportsmanship, um, and. <laughs> There was just a three-word reply. <laughs> of, They're lesbian, Stacey! <laughs> and it, it just went viral. It was one of those kind of zeitgeist moments where, like, there are mm. T-shirts with it now. There was a whole athletic article, I think, by Flo Lloyd Hughes yeah. on, like, the movement that was, like, continued after that, that... um. Uh, they have now like a, a fan base like them as a couple have a fan base now and yeah. people are like, stunning. people are stunning yeah they're shipped. But, uh, it got, you know you know what if they break up i think you know there's gonna be a huge like mass uh <laughs> need of, they uh, could tear apart women's football lads you don't know yeah like <laughs> uh, i i don't want women's football to be defined by um <laughs> the, the are you team her <laughs> or are you team newest yeah um but uh, no, that was that was a that was a funny moment. That yeah. that's kind of the side of women's football you don't get in the men's football. They kind of they absolutely know terrible. they were gathering a fandom as well. Yeah, and um, yeah, I didn't think doing it any more publicly. Like the the fucking flirting was outrageous. Like, mm. yeah, they wanted people to join in. so uh next category then is uh again perhaps one of our like more technical departments if you will our best match of the year 
so again, this is a, a, what we think was either empirically the best match we've seen, or at indeed, uh, or I guess our personal favourites. But we do have kind of personal favourites later on in the show as well. So uh, I'll start off this time because uh, I've got two picks personally for mine. I, I've got one from the Euros, uh, which I was watching live. Well, wasn't there live, obviously. Uh, I don't. I don't leave the house. Um, but uh, the match, my personal favourite match for the Euros, I think I said this at the time when we were doing our recap podcast anyway, was France and Switzerland. Uh, mm. The three all that went all the way. Um, just a wonderfully, like, a wonderful type of match you get in the Euros sometimes where, like, you do have a giant like France who are just not at it. And you know they're not at it. You, you can tell that there's something not right in the camp. Uh, and they haven't been right in the camp since either, let's be fair. Um, and they have Switzerland who, like, Switzerland are like Denmark and are like a few others that are just like so goddamn fucking organized. It's annoying because you go up against them and you know you're going to be second best, even though you think you have them beat on paper. You know, you think they have you have better players, you have all this sort of stuff. It's not that. It, it doesn't come down to that. Sometimes you have to just be better than them on the pitch. And Switzerland was this. It was was in this case. Well, of course, because uh, they've got the they granite jacket, the best midfielder on the planet. Uh, <laughs> sure, why not? Um, <laughs> I'm willing to dream too, Neil. Uh, <laughs> but like but again they were a great example of that and the Euros can be a great platform for them because you see you see stuff like that sometimes and you're thinking like ah that'd be great you know to see like a team like Switzerland and Denmark do really well um, and they did to be fair at least in Denmark's case but Switzerland's moment was definitely that trial match and, and beating France on penalties just knocking them out was just it's satisfying it feels good um, uh, the other one from the Premier League I was going to throw in uh, was from this season, very early on. Uh, Liverpool 2, Man City 2. Uh, genuinely, just two of the best like teams like properly scrapping at it. And they're both full strength, they're both full pelt, and it was just a wonderful exhibition of how good these teams can be. You had great goals, you had controversy, you had Pep Guardiola going flailing mad because James Milner wasn't like sent off immediately for being James Milner. And... Um, Mohamed Salah was 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 soloing himself to uh to a one of wonder goal, which he did now like four times mm. now at this stage in the season. Uh, and then Kevin De Bruyne just like goes uh like from nope. 20 yards out. <laughs> nope, bang. <laughs> just a great game overall. Great game overall. Um and yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. Uh so yeah, definitely my pick from that sense. Um so yeah, I I'd, I'd say probably go for that over France Whistling myself. Um, I'll go for the Man City on that one. Okay. Um, Neil, do you want to go with this? Ooh, hang on. My favourite match. You know what? I have to fucking go with. I have to go with my favourite match has been us stuffing Spurs 3-1 this season. Yeah. Because I have a feeling that that's going to be the highlight <laughs> of this <laughs> season for me. I know we got another half of it to go. And I quite liked us like absolutely drilling Norwich five 0 Um, I just you know we've been we've been on a great run and that's had some good fucking good victories there. The, you know the four one leads two 0 against West Ham, which nobody expected us to win. You know, I yeah, was delighted that, there. and that was a brilliant performance as well. Yeah, but I just, I just really liked the just the way we came out of the blocks. At Spurs. Oh, we were untouchable in that first half, and I know we let him kind of sit. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I think, that, so, I think that's a team now waking up. <laughs> uh, just my dog does not does not agree uh, with how we <laughs> you know step back in the second half. She doesn't want to think about it anymore. Uh-huh. Um, 
no, uh, I, I, that would have been one of mine. One of mine. Um, I have a couple of toss-ups. So obviously, best match could have been Ireland versus Georgia. Also, very high on my list because I was physically there as well. I think that also adds to the novelty of it is the Ireland versus Sweden game. Now, mm. like that was just a brilliant performance. Um, like we absolutely, uh, oh, there's the Australia game as well. Um, no, we, we just played really well um, in those couple of games. But one of the things uh, that I'm going to go for as my match of the season mm-hmm. uh, or match of the year is Ireland versus Qatar, a game I was at again. Ah, so I know, okay. I do know there's a heavy bias on these games that I was at. Mm. Um, we were wearing the sexy blue jersey. Oh yes, our we sexy centenary jerseys. Equally yes. sexy football uh, for an Ireland side that isn't the women's team. It's very weird for me to say that. Um, <laughs> Hang on, these are men, Irish men, and they're playing well. <laughs> what is witchcraft <laughs> burn um, them burn to be them. fair it felt like witchcraft watching like this was like the turning it was unbelievable and I have to say like I, I've been to a few Ireland men's games and I much prefer going to the Ireland women's games because there's actually banter and crack in the crowd mm. usually at the men's games like it is just kind of stoically let's just sit through it how many minute, more minutes oh 87 what um because it just have like, I, I've picked very bad matches to go to. I do understand that, but uh, <laughs> um, that might have something to do with it. One of the runners up I had um, for match of the year was Arsenal v Chelsea at the Emirates Stadium, and us beating them first match of the season, and that has to be one of my highlights. It was very scrappy game, but I think the games against Chelsea have to be. I don't think. As we saw in the FA Cup, where it was a complete capitulation, which we probably will get onto very quickly, um, you have to be scrappy against them because if you try and be too controlled, um, it'll it, it won't work out for you. So yeah, no, uh, my my pick of the year is Ireland versus Qatar. Hmm. Okay, then. so uh, Neil, have you got your pick there? Uh, he picks first. Yeah, Spurs, I yeah? yeah, sorry, I was away. Um, yeah, so um, I can see from the Spurs that the that, that was the <laughs> North London derby where you just ripped each other to shreds, didn't you? Um, so yeah, I can see why you picked that one. All right, um, I'm willing to go with Ireland, Ireland versus Qatar there just for how important it is because that was the match where I actually felt like everything was clicking from uh from a Stephen Kenny point of view because there was a few games where like I'm thinking more so the ones against Portugal where. We played really, really well. And we, like, and again, this is a team where like, this is a League One slash championship level team uh, with like the occasional Premier League star every now and then. And the fact that they're able to hold their own, and more so than that, they were actually like fighting on par with Portugal at points. That to me was the most impressive part. Uh, and not even that then, when they do go up against Qatar, and again, a team that were... Uh, we were hearing so much like, oh, Qatar are a well-coached team. They're, they're, they're rip-roaring for the World Cup, and we beat them 4-0 like it's nothing. Um, it was a bit of a, a signal of intent that like, this team actually knows what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Ireland Qatar there. Yeah, same here. I like Ireland Qatar, only for the sexy, sexy new uniforms. Oh, sexy, sexy new uh, jerseys we had. <laughs> mm. They're kind of uniform. Actually <laughs> speaking, yes. So, yeah, Ireland Qatar then. So... Uh, on that one. So then we move on to worst match of the year. 
So again, this is the one. This is the match where either we hated the uh, most, or we just thought uh, it was a good. <laughs> I'm gonna jump in because I've already mentioned it. It was Arsenal v Chelsea in the FA Cup final. Ah, um, uh, yeah. I it got one of the peak audiences. Um, there was so much hype about it because it was the two teams at the top of the table. Last year's champions versus top of the table this year. How is it going to work out? And Arsenal just didn't work it. Like they just did not show up. It, I can't. I can't. Like it is actually mind-boggling. I don't understand <laughs> how they got everything so wrong, tactically wrong. Um, and Jonas Eideval hasn't really been guilty of that. You can see where he his tactics like he's made some kind of personnel changes, but the tactic tactics have usually been on on like you know like proper like he's he's been there or thereabouts the tactics. Uh, he might just have personnel you know changes that I would maybe make, but yeah, no, I just it was one of the worst performances, and it honestly like gutted me. Like it was one mm. of those things where like I'm still miserable about it. <laughs> like I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't playing, but I felt as though I was because I feel like there was such a, a new audience there, ready and willing to be there and watching two great teams go at it. And instead they saw Emma Hayes purring, as she said after the game. Um yeah, so look, yeah, that, that's my, if I keep talking, I'll probably start crying. So someone else take over. <laughs> yeah, there's a, hor- there's a horrible kind of <clears throat> splinter of an idea in your mind that there's quite a number of people that that's the first women's games that they'll have watched. You yeah. know, and it's like, that's the one they fucking tuned into. Fuck. Well, I was <laughs> actually going to go with that, but I can't actually go with that one. Uh, I can't suggest that as my one. So I'm going to go with our Arsenal, I'm going to go with the men's against Everton. Yeah, I mean, like everything about this was kind of preceded. They were in the same like week or two. I yeah, they were insane. Bad... <laughs> I, I just, I know I'm cutting across you, Neil, but that was a week where I went into work and one of the guys from work just said, "Like, do you, do you want an extra coffee? Like, it's been a bad <laughs> week for us." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, thanks." <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. Because no, talk, it, talk about how terrible we were, Neil. No, it's <laughs> in the run-up to it, like in the run-up to it, Everton were literally in the dol- in the doldrums. They were absolute garbage. They'd been getting absolutely hosed every game. The management was falling apart. The fan base had turned completely toxic. Um, you know, like people were spitting blood at each other. It was just not a nice place to be. They were the, the club was literally circling the drain, and there was an article by Ars blog, and he's just like, no, Arsenal are a real kiss of life team, and that's the thing is that Arsenal are a kiss of life team. If you've got a team who are absolutely pony and they need a shot in the arm, you got to, you got the fans on your back, you got the management on your back, you got the owners on your back, you got everybody writing you off, calling you garbage, which you are. Mm. If your next game's <laughs> against Arsenal, you've got a shot. And yeah. this, this came after the 3-2 against Manchester United and against a fucking dire Manchester United team. Oh my God, this Manchester United team is so fucking shit. And we went from that and it was like, grand. We're going into there. We've got pointless Everton next. We'll be cool with this one. And then all the signs I was seeing, I was like, oh no, 
now all the signs point towards winning. We're not going to win this. Yeah. And we go, it's, like, oh, it's the hope that kills you. Oh, it's definitely yeah. so the hope that kills you. And it's, we went out there and we played just some of the most turgid football I have ever seen. Like l- most of the players on the pitch put in their worst performances ever. And, it, yeah. like, it looked like they hadn't seen each other before. Yeah. Like it was the type of performance where it's like, oh, the coach has told me I have to pass it to you, but you're not in the position that he told me you'd be in. So I'm going to just pass <laughs> the ball straight to Everton. It was uh, like, yeah, there was, yeah, it was horrendous. So Jonathan, um, you're going to pile on the misery to us Arsenal fans and go for a third Arsenal match for worst uh, match of the season? I, I, I can't think of an Arsenal match I found that funny, to be honest. Um, because Arsenal and Everton was pretty funny. Uh, actually, my worst, my How worst. How could you find year, that funny? I don't know. It's just, it's hilarious. The fact that like Everton were such at a low ebb, and you still managed to come off second. No, best. no, no. The result Everton. is funny, but like the match <laughs> itself was just not funny. <laughs> I don't know. I find, I, I find that there's something really amusing about like the Mary Gray knock on into the post and just Ramsdale going. Oh, I tried so hard, <laughs> and he did. That was the sad part. He tried so hard. Um. But yeah, uh, my worst match of the year, funny enough, is the Champions League final. Chelsea versus Manchester City. Uh, this is going to sound very weird to Chelsea and Man City fans because I'm sure it was a bit of a big deal for them as well. But we've had some very bad Champions League finals the last while. Um, my mind, What's come to mind is Liverpool versus Spurs, which is a particularly bad final uh, compared to the quality you should be getting for like the two best teams in Europe. Um, for Chelsea Man City, my issue was that like it's my worst match because I literally couldn't give a flying shit about it. And it's a case of like this is the case. This is what happens when you do have two clubs that just overly inflate their wealth to the point where they're super clubs and they have to compete on this level, or else they have no reason to be. And particularly for Manchester City, like they have accomplished everything. They have ticked every single box except for the Champions League, and so has Pep Guardiola. He hasn't won the Champions League since the Barca days. Where he had like he the best team it. in the world. No, he still won it. No, that's the same. But he had he didn't win it with Bayern. He didn't win it with with Man City yet. And to be honest with you, the reason why he's making this such a tediously like uh, tedious team to win games like like uh, systematically is just to win the Champions League. If you know what I mean, he's trying to like bore his football down so they can win. He can win this competition. And the fact that Chelsea just kind of pickpocketed with really with like and, and like it, with Thomas Tuchel who himself kind of like you know was on his own redemption mission to win it too and for me it was just like a very apathetic final and I didn't even watch it it's the first final I've watched in a long time or I didn't bother to watch in a long time because like I literally had no horse in that race you know and even when and this is not just because of the Liverpool bias thing I've, I've watched English finals before when like you know it's like Man United versus Chelsea I thought that was a great final you know great drama to seeing this, these two teams I don't like like smashing each other up for for a prize. This one I just felt like it was like uh, it's a bit meta, like anticlimactic, you know, because I don't think I I don't know if the, those two teams actually kind of like appreciate that as much as someone like Liverpool do. I know like Liverpool have the legacy of it, but because like we make such a song and dance about our European nights, and for Man City they can barely draw a crowd for it. You know, Chelsea you can barely draw different. a crowd for anything though. Exactly, that's the thing. So I, I don't know if it's a case of 
they are uh and, and don't get me wrong that legacy builds over a long time anyway so i am in a bit unfair in that sense uh but um yeah like, I, I i i don't know if i else to say like if chelsea were the best team in europe that year because it was a strange champions league in its own right so i don't know i think it just it was a bit of a weird final and i just didn't really didn't particularly enjoy it so that's where i'm going for yeah, that that's fair so, enough yeah but so uh, uh- in terms I'm, of that thing. I'm, I'm going to vote for Arsenal losing. <laughs> I, I, I'll go with you. Can I vote for my well. own one? Because funnily I honestly am still annoyed at that. Yeah, funnily <laughs> enough. I'm also going to vote for Arsenal losing as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll go with that because I think like from, again, because I, I would have watched them the, the first time you guys faced Chelsea in the league. And you were completely blew them away with the with, with how you were playing, and then the FA Cup like match was kind of like a reversion to the mean. It was a very strange game to have for Arsenal. If that makes sense. It, there was no reversion to the mean. It was we decided to go the opposite end of the spectrum of being able to play <laughs> football. Yeah, um, pretty much. I, I know. Like uh, I, I'm not going to get into it. I could, I could go on another rant about this, but I'm not. I won't. Okay. Right, <laughs> There's too too many other awards to give out. <laughs> this is true we, we don't have all night um, moving on then to our best player our player of the year so again this is kind of a very subjective category it's our best or favourite player of the year so uh, Bertba how about yourself your best player of the year is, hold on can I just clarify that this mm-hmm. is the best player or is it the underrated player we have underrated coming up so this is okay. our best player yeah Okay, uh, well, I'm sorry. I don't think I'm going to shock anyone by saying we've got McCabe, Katie McCabe. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, yeah, 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 I get the idea. I'm going to go with Katie. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> um, player of the season for Arsenal, um, captain of Ireland and doing bits, winning player of the match despite people not agreeing with her winning player of the match like two matches mm. in a row um yeah no like she's just we joke about having the two kts at arsenal like Kieran Tierney and katie mccabe on the wings um and doing bits and like she is she's played more minutes this season on like in 2021 according to tim Sullivan, than any other arsenal player in the women's side obviously but i'd mm. even say the, the men's side she might give them a run for their money as well he, like she happy. is probably the first name on the team sheet for both club and country and I don't know when's the last time we've had an athlete like that like Robbie Keane his heyday yeah. like Roy Keane yeah. yeah like they we've got yeah just we've got McCabe and um Honestly, like she's just she is so fun to watch as a player because I know that she's the type of player you love to have on your team and you hate to be playing against. Oh god, yeah. She's an absolute shit house, and I love that. Like she just um she rubs people up the wrong way. Like her uh, her and Cootsbirts and you know Georgia Stanway's death matches every every match. Like, uh, is they're just a joy to watch when you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, she, she's player of the year, like, just. Yeah, like, when you consider, like, a couple of years back, just how precarious her her situation at Arsenal was, like, it yeah. was very easy for, it could have very easily turned out that she could have left the club. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
But uh, she talked about that as well. And just look at where she is now. Like she absolutely idolizes Viv Miedema and now gets like is on the team sheet ahead of Viv in like in Idaval's like team sheets. Yeah. Which yeah, that's just that's some journey. Yeah, yeah no, I'm actually looking at that. Yeah, McCabe is the only Arsenal player to take part in every game in 2021. So a whole year of 2021. Um, second to her only is Beth Mead, who missed only one game. And that was against Spurs. <laughs> that was against Spurs. Oh, from that suspension. was against Spurs. She was suspension. And then yeah. I know there's the caveat of, yeah, I'm surprised Katie McCabe hasn't been suspended this year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, no, like, like we've seen it in person, Jonathan. Like her passion on the pitch is like second to none. Like she, yeah, like absolutely throws herself out there in every sense of that phrase. And mm. um, yeah, no, like just brilliant. Yeah, and it's it's even the case sometimes. Like even when I started going to the games, it was a very much a case that sometimes she was kind of carrying the team because at that point it was perhaps just her and Denise O'Sullivan kind of carrying the team at that point, but. Over time, the team has got better, and it's because players like her are setting the pace. So the likes yeah. of like now you have the likes of say like I'm going to throw a few names out here like Savannah McCarthy, for example, who is coming into the team because there is a there is a line set by the likes of her and Quinn and so forth. You have then others coming in like again if, if you want to try and upset like Katie McKay from the lineup, then you have to beat her. So the likes of Louise Lucy Quinn, the likes of Leanne Kearn, and the likes of Amber Barrett now have someone to compete against. So yep. that's just setting the standards higher and higher and higher. And that often happens when you do have a like a national team led by somebody that good, but it helps when you have the talent there to begin with, and that's just making the team better anyway. So in a sense, like we made, we made the comparison, it is kind of like the, the men's team of 2002, where you did have fantastic players like the two Keens and Given and Duff, and they're driving the, the team forward. But when you have a decent bit of backup there, it helps. But then when there's nothing behind that, then you can see like that's as far as the team goes. Yeah, we, we need the, the conveyor belt to, to work. Yeah. And I, and um, I think it's a little bit better for the women, for the women's team. You can kind of see that that, that is there to a certain but, degree. But we, we, I think we've got the coach there that will. Um... I think the coach, will, I think there's a, youth, a good youth program in there, in, in the system to make that happen, you know, kind of way. So I think that'll, that, that'll definitely uh, play into it for for a certain amount, um. So, uh, I'll I'll throw my my pick here, and I don't think it's gonna come as any surprise, really. I mean, uh, uh, I I think I'd be it'd be disrespectful for me if I if I threw anyone in but Mo Salah for this category. Uh, certainly the best performing player since the start of the season. I think even before then, and even last season, he was fantastic. Uh, but the guys is on a different level now. Like, I don't know if it's because he is competing for a new contract or not. Uh, maybe that has something to do with it. But um, but certainly, like the guys have found more and more levels as time has gone on. Like I'm even, I, I was purring about his goal against Man City there earlier on. Like that is just a that is a supreme level of skill and talent in a game that is so high stakes. Like you're going up against a championship contender there, and you're willing to throw stuff like that out. And the fact that he has been essentially averaging a goal per game since that point is is pretty damn impressive. I don't think he's actually. I think he's. he's I think he hasn't even. He hasn't done hat tricks at all this season. So the, the numbers aren't uh, disillusionary in that sense. But um. But yeah, it's been pretty pretty surreal for him. Um. So I, I think it'd be I'd be wrong if I picked anyone else but him. But I suppose like 
outside of, of Salah in the Liverpool team, Trent has been brilliant as well. Just um, having a playmaker at right back is weird, but it really, really works for our team. Uh, and the fact that like the likes of England don't really appreciate that and because they play a very different way, you know, I, I can I can understand it in a sense, but you also see what they're missing out on big time when he's on the squad. Um, I guess that's what you have when you put all your best talent at right back. <laughs> I mean, that's what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, but have you thought about moving into CAM? <laughs> they, they did that. They, they made him a stooge against Albania and it went fucking wrong. <laughs> I, I know. Like, it's a, like, if you're a right back, you're a right back. Like, you know, uh, look, yeah. I, I, I would like to say... Mo Salah is a good player, but I don't know. Have you heard of Jorginho? We don't talk about him here. This is this is, is there, this is a Jorginho free zone. For, okay, <laughs> I'm still very um, annoyed at that. <laughs> yeah, no, and understandably so. I yes. know. Uh, look, Mo Salah is the type of player that when he's at your club, he, he actually does remind me a bit of Thierry Henry because. Mm. He's got that electric pace. He's got that connection with Mane, like Thierry Henry had with Bergkamp. Yeah. Uh, I'm not comparing the two like for like, but it's kind of a similarity there. Um, it's a good example, yeah. Uh, just, um, yeah, um, he's a great player and he's the kind of player that teams hate to play against and hate to have, the, like, you know, see in the lineup or oh, we're going to be facing against him. So, like, I don't think it's any greater kind of... Uh, compliment than that mm, definitely yeah definitely um, Neil how about yourself your best player of the year my best player of the year was Gianluca Donnarumma oh, oh good shouts yeah. very good shouts um, I, think, I think he got absolutely <laughs> fucked in the Ballon d'Or ones uh, how he only came 10th despite winning the best keeper I mean they were shouting on about oh well Messi got it because of his international uh, achievements it was like hang on Donnarumma was Donnarumma won the Euros while getting player of the tournament. <laughs> the fuck, like what the fuck off, like that's how rigged it was. And he came tenth, tenth. Fuck that yeah. shit. Um, he also got Serie A uh, goalkeeper of the season as well. Um, before he moved to Paris Saint Germain. Um, so like I was just uh, whatever the fuck. I was like I don't understand how like, but, like he's done all that at twenty two. Like <laughs> it's, mm. it's just it's insane. Um, it's insane to think that, like, in twenty years' time, he could still be kicking it like this. Yeah. Um, like, I I didn't know too much about him until you kind of told me to check him out, and oh my god, yeah, like, like that, that's the thing. I I was watching that England Italy match, and I was like, oh, England are playing for penalties, and everybody was thinking this is kind of like shrewd business on their part, and I was like. Why no. are you doing that? No. Have, you not, have you not seen the size of the Italian goalkeeper? I don't <laughs> think, do you, you know about fu- England and penalties. <laughs> Why do you want to fucking take penalties against that motherfucker? Don't score an open play and you won't have to deal with that. Look at the size of him. He's a fucking he's the size of a fridge. Like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, no, we went and he saved too, and that was fantastic. Like, but uh, like I just think like in terms of being a goalkeeper at the highest level. Like he, he literally could not have actually done any more <laughs> this yeah. year. He's won the only European tournament that was there, got players of the tournament in it, mm-hmm. won the Serie A, got won the league, sorry, won the league that he was in, got keeper of the tournament in the league that he was in. Mm-hmm. I'm going like and he get and he comes tenth. Like that shows you that the people who vote on this shit know fuck all. 
No, but clearly, like, look who won it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so hmm. we're ready to there vote. There's a choice then? here: Donnarumma, uh, Salah, or McCabe. Who who's who wants to bring first? Well, I am going for the KT Baby. Um, yeah, she's just she's an indomitable. Like she's actually so good. Me, she's meme worthy. Like mm. my, she's one of the like. <laughs> But not even that. Um, it's it's a case of um, like the jokes about her, her. Like she's one of the few players that's so good at being versatile. Her versatility doesn't hold her back. Mm. You know, like so many players get handicapped because yeah, that's true. They can play in loads of different positions, and people are like, oh, I don't know where to put this motherfucker. But with McCabe, it's like put it, literally put her anywhere. Like give her a pair of gloves and stick her in goal. Like um, actually, there was a, a thing with uh, Zinsberger had gone down injured, uh, or Zinsberger wasn't playing, and Lydia Williams had gone down injured, and we, I don't, or they didn't have a sub. And Tim Silman asked Jordan Sidival, like, "Oh, who would you put in goal if you were forced to make that change?" And he was like, "Oh, I'll give you three guesses. If you get it right, I'll say it." And his first, Tim Silman's first guess was Katie, and he went, "No, not her." And everyone's like, wait, why? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I got to go with Donnarumma because, yeah, I I forgot about him, which kind of shows how bad I am. Um, but, uh, yeah. That leads it to me then. Um, again, I have to show, I have to be a bit patriotic. I have to go for Katie on that one. Um, because, again... Getting to see her kind of live in a sense, it is one of those weird ones. Like, you don't normally hear her for end of season awards. Only Irish people will pimp her out in a sense because we know how good she is. But I think in the grand scheme of things, in terms of like world football, I don't think she gets the credit she deserves. I think it is because she's either seen as kind of like the 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 lieutenant to someone like Medina or someone else, but. On an Irish standpoint, she's the fucking captain, the second captain, and the third captain. There's no other people involved in that. And that's, this is a team that involves Denise Sullivan and Louise Quinn. She's the lo- youngest the ever field. international captain. Yeah. Men's or and, women's. And that's, that just does not get, get enough attention. You know? Like, my hero, yeah. Emma Byrne, like, was like, captain, her. I want her <laughs> to replace me. And it's like, I don't think there's any greater honour. Yeah. Uh, but um, oh yeah, but still, like on the hundred best female footballers in the world, twenty twenty one, compiled by the Guardian, where do you think she comes? Um, <laughs> no, not, this not isn't, quite it, enough. It, it's it's not a fake out. She is actually on the list. Yeah, was she was she in the seventies? Yes. Seventy <laughs> nine. Oh no, she sorry, she was above the seventies. She was in seventies upwards. Oh Jesus. Uh, 84 No Oh sorry up, By upwards I meant like downwards As in further up the scale Oh okay <laughs> This is a garbage I can't talk no, she, was, she was number 60 Okay Okay look that's. I don't think she was in the top 100 the year before Which I think you know is No no yeah she's new Yeah, yeah. Um, The highest so, One of the highest new entrances this year But yeah uh, Only Irish player in the top 100 um. Yep. Mm. Obviously, not the only Arsenal player uh, in there. That's Viv Miedema again being beaten out yet again. Yeah. <laughs> Where? And I don't want to give spoilers away. Uh, no, I'll ask you later on. I won't ask you. Ha- have that list open if you if you if you can. Well, do. Mm. Got it on his okay. app. Fair enough. Then. 
So now we go to the opposite side of the scale here for our worst player of the year, the player we detest the most. Is this overrated or worst? No, we, we have underrated and overrated next. All right, cool. So this is this is our most despised player, the one that we don't like. And oh, I'm going to throw out <laughs> uh, Slabhead. <laughs> the man makes a mockery of centre-back. He honestly does. The fact that, like... Again, I, I'm not. I'm gonna hold back laughter and saying that he is a more expensive defender than, than Virgil Van Dijk, but my goodness, compare the two and tell me that he is not of the same quality. That he is the same quality of as Virgil Van Dijk. He is not. There is nowhere near a difference. The fact that he is English is why he got that price tag. That is the only yeah. reason he's 18 million. Absolutely. There's no other reason for it. Oh uh, motherfucker! Did you just get the news I got? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got we we we've genuinely got genuinely very 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 upset by this news. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed. I got the news. You might have noticed my face just completely dropped. <laughs> yeah, out. we saw that. Yeah, we saw yeah. that. <laughs> um, oh, that's a lame. Oh, man, fucking! That, I literally just saw 18 that. Eighteen days before her hundredth birthday. Fucking mm. hell! Breaking news for anyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie this White. tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, even if this goes out literally like within a couple of hours, everybody's gonna know. Yes, exactly. Um so yeah, um so yeah, I'm gonna go with, with Slabhead because I think like in terms of like the reason I'm saying that is because I remember like the Euros and they made such a big deal about we need to get Maguire back for the Euros. It's like why you have the best generation of English centre backs in years. And you're so you're actually desperate to pin everything on him. He is not the answer to your prayers. You have so many others you can choose from. If you don't have him, get Tarkowski and get um, Mings and Cody and all them actual defenders, not this guy who's a lummox who just happens to like be able to move a ball. That's and even then he gets caught in possession so many times. He's not the player you want, and he was the he's the backbone of the team. It's like. No wonder you lost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's bizarre, like absolutely bizarre. Um, so yeah, I went I went with Slabhead on that one. So uh, guys, how about your least favorite players? I I think my least favorite player now. I don't know. Um, because I've been trying to think about it recently now because I'm trying to distinguish between least favourite and player I think is playing the absolute worst so I think <laughs> I think in ter- I'll, I'll go with pure quality I'll, or the mm. pure lowest rock bottom quality I think Saul Neguez at Chelsea has been absolutely a fucking Ooh, dumpster fire yeah I think the only thing that his loan deal with them has shown is why Atletico let him out on loan and that's mm. never a good thing because he's been fucking tripe. He can't pass the ball. He can't receive the ball. Can't kick it. Can't. It doesn't even look like he knows what the fucking ball is, what he's meant to be doing with it. Mm. It's bollocks. <laughs> he's fucking, he, he's shockingly bad. It, it, it's, it, it's such a weird one because like it, it was a deadline day deal and they were thinking like, oh, this is a good one for, for the squad and stuff like that, for midfield. <sighs> And he gets played in like a false nine and then six is like. But also, he was an integral part of that, like like hard biting, hard dogged 
Atletico Madrid midfield and they thought, yeah, we're going to get a fire here. We're going to get somebody who's going to add a bit of fucking steel to this midfield, you know, despite, you know, ignoring the fact that they've got N'Golo Kante, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just I just think, like, I'm, I'm going for equality in terms of, like, player I hate the most. No, nah, I'm just going to go with Saul because I just, I just, I just think okay. like, wow, he is fucking terrible. <clears throat> Fair enough. Um, he's not even the worst player on. He's not even the worst player on that Chelsea team. No, he's team. not. They're this worst team. This worst player. Yeah, yeah. There. I've There's got other candidates on that Chelsea team for the 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 things coming up. Yeah. Um. I, I is it like? Oh, it's too obvious if I go with Ronaldo. Um. We have Please, categories coming least... up for him. <laughs> um, worst player there. There's quite a few in the women's game that, like, I suppose are overhyped. So that could go into the like the overhyped section uh, mm. or overrated section. Um, but I think I am gonna go for Pickford. Mm. Okay, oh, I can get behind be this one. I'll be honest. In a salt bay, this the salt bay. This one. Mm. Um. So <laughs> he's had obviously a good run of games. Um. He, um. Yeah, against Arsenal, he decided to have a fucking wonder game. Uh, but even then, we were t- terrible. But no. Um. Obviously, he's English and he's got that kind of premium attached to him and he was England's hero in the Euros and all of that. But I genuinely look at some of his passing and distribution, which is what he's meant to be, I suppose, meant to be a strength because shot stopping can't be his strength. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And I I, I don't know, he just gets away with a lot. Like he gets away, like if you changed out his centre-backs, um. I actually don't know how many times he'd misplaced those balls. Like they, like I was watching um, in the lead up to doing this, I was watching just some like videos of like it was football mistakes, and a lot of them were him. <laughs> 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 um, and it, th- there are so many choices of like arseholes in the game, and I could go down that route, but I don't think he's an arsehole. I just think he's English and therefore the golden boy, and that but mm. they're like doesn't know how crappy he is. No, he's not even remotely the best English keeper. Like, not I, anymore. Like, it, no. but not, he hasn't been for years. I've been arguing this for ages. I can remember me saying this in previous podcasts. I was like, I don't know how we get to... I'm like, it must be real blinkers on Southgate's part to like not even attempt to put Henderson in ahead of him. You know? And at the very least... Well, like, thankfully, probably the only really good thing about like the kind of hype job and the reason Everton are tanking so bad is that like it's only a matter of time before Rambo Dale yeah. usurps him. Yeah. Because like as we all know, like Southgate is a media lovey. He's one for the eye. And fuck me, the charm offensive that Ramsdale has put on, along with obviously some fucking truly elite level play. Mm. Um like I, I don't see how the Southgate's got to be looking at it, going, "Ooh, maybe we can, maybe, 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 maybe we can, um, you know, have Aaron in for one or two games, Jordan. How about this? You know, I bet that's when he knows that it's that's the start, that's the beginning <laughs> the of the end. end. That's the beginning yeah. of the end, and all that they'll take is Rambo, Rambo Dale to go in there and just fucking put in like two, one, two great performances in an England shirt. 
That's it. Pickford's out in his arse, you know. Mm, exactly. And his yeah. tiny, tiny arm bars. <laughs> 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 he won't be able to get back up. He'll be like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The ledge is hard four inches. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have a we, we have an interesting choice there. So we have a, a choice of, of Harry Maguire, Jordan Pickford, or Saul Niguez. And um, so, <sighs> what a shit show. I'm, I'm going to go with Pickford on this one. Imagine that because... being your five-a-side. You just walk away. And to be fair, yeah. Um, especially if Maguire is there because he counts as two with that head. Um, so, you know, I'm going to go with Pickford. Not because of the whole Euros team because that's a, that's a big uh, kettle of fish. I'm going to go because he nearly killed Virgil van Dijk. That's, that's why I'm picking him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why I'm pe- that's why I'm picking him. So, a very fairness, emotional choice for me. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stay pro. And stay professional. I'm going to go with the person on that list I think is the worst quality, and I genuinely think that that is Slaphead. Because yeah. we wa- I watched the previous game that United played, and my God, like he was just served up on so much toast. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly like... after the Euros, he was very, very bad. Yeah, but I uh, know, but yeah. recently, like his last couple of games now, he has been fucking atrocious. Like mm. the game against Burnley, like holy I like how angry yeah. it makes Roy Keane. Yes, that's it as well. Like when, when you've when you've angered Roy Keane to the point where he's doing impressions of you, I think that's genuinely that. When you anger him to the point where he speaks at only as a pitch his Labradors can understand, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? Say? I, I am also gonna go with Maguire. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maguire, because I, I, because honestly. When you're talking about that Miguel guy, I have never heard of him. <laughs> Incidentally, when he's playing, nobody else has either. Diego <laughs> um, Simeone still thinks he's at Atletico. He's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stop. Stop. They're, just fielding, they're just fielding 10 players and going, wow, Saul's really putting in a great shift. What the fuck is he <laughs> um, Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, uh, I think Slabhead gets it for making Roy Keane hit bat level frequencies. Definitely. Um, so, next categories then. Uh, we'll do this as a twofer. Underrated and overrated. So, we're picking one. We're picking two players uh, from where we think they're getting not enough attention and too much attention. So, what do you guys think of that one? Neil, who's there with you? Oh, I'm going to go with my bone. Underrated player has to be Gabriel Magales for us. Okay. And overrated player has got to be Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, funnily enough, actually, I was actually only talking to a, a Chelsea sporting friend of mine there a few days ago, and he was watching the Arsenal game. Uh, it was our Leeds game, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he reckons that Gabriel could just waltz into any elite defence on the planet. And he goes pretty much, he's like, he reckons he is that good. And he's like, I don't understand why people aren't lauding Arsenal for, I'm like, we got him for less than 30 million quid. He goes, mm. I don't understand how people aren't just literally going, holy fuck, this guy is brilliant. Yes. This guy is absolutely fucking brilliant. And he goes, I don't, wonder, how is nobody singing the praises? Like, like that's the thing, he goes, I, I, like when you, when people start weighing in on the, pros and cons of like Edu and the deals and all that stuff that you do. Nobody mentions him. Nobody mentions the fact that you snapped up a player that's better than most <laughs> most of the other central defenders on the fucking planet for less than a quarter of the price of the best ones. I was like, seriously, they're like, 
if he com- keeps going as he is, he's absolutely an elite tier fe- defender. And I would still put him in any elite defense. And I know he would hold his own. He's brilliant mm. in the air. He's brilliant ball distribution. He's unflappable on the ball. He's fucking unit. Good luck trying to show that that prick off the ball. He's just it, fucking wonderful. That's just yeah. it. Like, and he goes most games completely unmentioned and unnoticed. And that's great because when your defenders are getting noticed, that's when they're usually fucking up. Um, yeah. That's it. And overrated. I mean, fuck me. Like, does it get more overrated than Lukaku? I'm like, when when Chelsea got Lukaku back, like they were, they just been, they've been doing a Manchester United and they were tell, spent the entire summer telling everybody that they were going to win the league. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, that, that ain't fucking happening, you know? No. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's the Chelsea striker continues. Exactly. The cur- absolute yeah. pure. And he's been a curse. Like, the fact is, is that like, he's just garbage. He just yeah. doesn't want to put the fucking work in. Like, the reason they bought him in is because Werner can't finish his dinner. And they were just like, if we got a proper fucking, a proper box striker, which is what Lukaku is, he's a vastly superior box striker than Werner is. And I no doubt that all of the chances that Werner have missed in the past, and there's lots of them, (laughs) I have no doubt that Lukaku would have buried 95% of all of them. Yeah. Um, No doubt in my mind, I'd put my fucking house on it. But the problem is he doesn't want to work to get into those positions. You know, he's turning around to a team that have won, a manager and a team that have won the Champions League and gone, you need to retool your tactics to suit me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you're going, are you fucking for real, pal? What planet are you on? And then last, not even a few, not even last month, only a couple of weeks ago, gives an interview to Sky Italia saying that he never wanted to leave Inter in the first place. (laughs) He's just sitting there going, Ah, here now, this guy's taking the piss. Now, don't get me wrong. There's so many stories of him looking to leave as well, but yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, of course he didn't want to leave. It's totally bizarre. Uh, For my overrated, I'm also going with with Lukaku for overrated. Uh, More for the same reasons that you're you're saying, Neil, because he was supposed to be the answer to Chelsea's problems. I'm not sure what problems they were because they won the Champions League last season. But obviously, no, no striker. Werner couldn't finish. That's all they were. That's all they wanted. They wanted a Werner who could finish. And it turns out, oh, wait, Lukaku come back to his childhood club that he always wanted to win a fucking Liga. And uh, they're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, no chance of that. Um, and and yeah, ex- exactly the same thing. Where like the, the whatever ailments was with that Chelsea squad are still there. Like it hasn't been fixed with just a one, one striker in a sense. A like for like replacement. In terms of underrated, uh, again, I'm I'm not going to go for someone from Liverpool. Um, but I am going for someone who keeps getting scouted by Liverpool, and people can't understand why. Uh, Jared Bowen from West Ham. Right. So, so this again. The looks is kind of like telling me why like this is a bit of an odd pick because he's being kind of scouted as that kind of like fourth slash fifth choice forward for Liverpool next season in the same way like how Shakiri was scouted for kind of like a cup price deal. Um, so you have that and you're thinking like, why is he why is he actually there as an option? Well, here's why. Because goals and assists. He is very, very productive in that sense. And a lot of, when people think of West Ham, they're thinking Declan Rice, Mikel Antonio, and Bubbles. maybe Kurt Zuma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not thinking of Bowen. 
they're not thinking of him at all. Like the, he's just seen as another part of the, of the machine. In the same way that Jota was seen as part of the Wolves machine. You know, and when you take him out of there and you put him into a different environment, you see how good he can be. I think Bowen could be the same level. So uh, I think he's underrated for now, but we'll see if he does make a move. Um, Burkba, underrated or overrated? I am going to be in the women's world for this one. Uh, oh, my <laughs> overrated... No, underrated. I'll go underrated first. Kim Little is criminally underrated. And I know She's she gets blocked. killing it this season. Yeah. She is honestly one of the most technically gifted players, men's or women's, ever. Yeah. Like... And I and I know she's an Arsenal player, but I'm so fucking glad she's an Arsenal player because she's so good. She's the type of player that if she played for another team, I would still like her as a player. Mm. Um, like she is like if you look at like a highlight reel of Kim Little, you're gonna see the goals and you're gonna see her assists. What you don't see is the tracking back, the tackling, the taking two touches to get around four players, the space that she creates for other players. She is just absolutely amazing she's the type of player arsenal men's need in their midfield and I, they don't even know that they have it like she <laughs> is all she is all of the good qualities of party of picking a scouting a pass tackling back you know stretching the play all of the intricate passing touches of martin odegaard setting up plays she's just the complete package and she's just amazing and she should be uh top three at least in my opinion for the Guardians top 100 but Neil ah, is she even in it? No, she is 19th okay top 20 still good better than I was expecting I suppose Funny enough, but she's like one ahead, she's a, uh, one ahead of Sam Mewis oh. um, uh, Ellen White she's ahead of Ellen White's 25th um, but yeah the, she's got Christine Sinclair ahead of her at 18th mm. and Stina Blacksteinus at uh, that's probably from the World Cup though that's that's yeah that, the, and the Olympics yeah. as well yeah, yeah. Olympics, um, sorry, 16 is yeah. 16 is oh, Mappy yeah. Leon from Barcelona oh. actually the top the top 20 is literally just Arsenal Leon Chelsea Barcelona and Wolf with like two yeah. two USA teams and I think Blacksteinus is the major outlier from being from Hacken yeah yeah um, oh, there's one Leon player, Wendy Renard is 15th. Um, so yeah, Kim Little, my criminally underrated player, and my overrated player in the women's world again, Georgia Stanway. <laughs> Georgia Stanway is English and therefore good. You should go and buy that rule. That is how um, it works, actually. Yeah, that is she how it works. gets into her death math that death match battles with Katie McKay, but I think that's my favorite bit about her. Like, she. Mm. She's so her touch, her passing, her movement is it's below par for the WSL. It's below par, but she's English and she's young, so it's expected that she's going to do good and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I I think she's a dirty player. She um she did get abuse for like a serious like red card she got, and she came out and said like, oh, I'm not a dirty player. I'm not that kind of player. Like you know you should. And I don't agree with hounding people on social media, but like. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a lie. <laughs> um, 
yeah no and it was people calling her out for doing the exact same stuff that she always does and just getting caught out for it that one time but yeah she's my overrated player um just if you again you're, you're going to get the compilation videos of georgia Sandway. it's all going to be her doing good stuff it's not going to be very long <laughs> um the stuff of her she, doing she, really horrendous been... tackles is far yeah. longer um <laughs> Uh, and just on that, like she's been classed as a versatile player akin to Katie McCabe, but no, she she's not half the versatile player Kate McCabe is. Not even half. Mm. Fair enough. Um, so we, we've already got a majority on Romelu Lukaku being the most overrated, so that covers that. But in terms of underrated, who are we going for in terms of that? So we have Kim Little, Gabriel Magales, or Jared Bone. What do you guys think? I'll go with Little because like her the number she's putting up this season... Uh, they're crazy you know like it, I think the fact that she is underrated is actually like no, most fans are fucking pure stats heads and mm. they're still like f- they're ignoring these numbers and still going oh yeah Kim she's alright <laughs> oh know. yeah but like she's there forever so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the problem good. might have something yeah. to do with the fact that she's Scottish as well oh yeah yeah she's not English therefore not good yes that is how it works <laughs> The minus five to our FIFA rating. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for Gabrielle. Sorry, Jonathan. No, I'm, not, I'm okay with that. Again. I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I'll go with Gabrielle as well because, like I said, he's been... It's one of those ones where, like, if you do look back at his numbers, you can see why he... why Arsenal are doing so well. Because, again, you, you're thinking of, like, like, like the Smith Rowe, Saka, or Ramsdale for the reason for the success. But sometimes a goalkeeper is only as good as defence. And if he doesn't have the partnership ahead of him, then it, it doesn't make a difference. So, yeah, I'll go for Gabriel Magales for underrated uh, on that one. Uh, so, uh, we'll continue on with our awards. But, Burke, but you have to go, I'm afraid. I have to go. I will talk commitments. to you again. Yes. Happy we'll New Year, guys. Happy, yes, New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, we have... Uh, it's just me and you, Neil, now. So, we can uh, we, we must continue on the show as best as we can. Indeed, we must soldier on. Exactly. Uh, so uh, we have a few more awards to give out. Uh, next up, Neil is Manager of the Year. <gasps> so this is your favorite manager, not necessarily who you think was the best. So who was your personal favorite manager of the year? The one you got the most enjoyment out of? The one I got the most enjoyment out of. Yes, from watching uh, for from watching their football, from their press conferences, or just their general banterhood. Who was your favorite manager? <laughs> Um, and caveat, you can't pick your own. Ah, no, I can't. Well, my own countries. No, as in your own club. No, nah, right Yeah. We're allowed, to pick our, we're allowed to pick our own country one, though, yeah? Yes. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with fucking... I'll go with Kenny. He's been my favourite manager so far. Mm. Because, like, no manager has been more set upon than him, and he's just stuck to it. And he's just like, no, we've got a process here. You people don't get it. People don't understand, look... This place is in a fucking state. Also, I'm working for the FAI, which is never an easy thing. Yeah. Um, well, he didn't say that, but... <laughs> it was implied. We've, we've all read the book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have, yes. <laughs> yeah, Strugglingly read the book. It's, it's fucking difficult <laughs> to get through. It's a trial. Oh, yeah, no, I just, I just... I think he's just done a wonderful job. I really, really do. Like... They got really serious amount of faith. I mean, like, and to the point where even people who defend him are like wheeled out on other shows to get fucking harangued. Like that happened with Ken Early when he yeah. brought me out and like, was it soccer? I am or fucking, I don't know where where they fucking brought me out on. But like, and they're just like, 
just basically shouting at him. He's going, did you get to the Euros? Did you get to the Euros, Ken? Did you get to the Euros? I was like, no. Like, it's not about that. It's about building forward. Like, Yes. This this team was not going to get to the Euros full stop unless yeah. it was a miracle. Like, that's that's what people are remembering. Like, look at the team. There's, there's not many Premier League quality players there. And if they are, they're either stupidly young or stupidly old. Like, there's not a generation there to build. Um. For what it's worth, actually, Neil, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say Stephen Kenny myself because the guys had to live through so much criticism of what he was doing. And the case of like, now, granted, my second pick was actually going to be Mikel Arteta for the exact same reason, because I think Arteta's doing okay with what he has there. You know, I think after, again, watching a, a season's worth of highlights today to prepare for this podcast, <laughs> uh, well, because I had, I had this kind of weird thing because I'm watching the clips in reverse order. So I'm seeing like the finish article and then compared to like how you started the season. And the team is morphing into obviously what he wants Arsenal to be for the next couple of seasons. You have that solid foundation there with, with, with who you have. And with Stephen Kenny, you can kind of see the same thing happening as well because he's trying to use the senior players in a smart way. In a sense where obviously Coleman is captain, he has to use them. Shane Duffy is, your, is, is a good defender and so forth. Uh, Matt DeHardy gets his game when he can. James McLean gets subbed on when he can. But ultimately, the real crux of the team is new blood. And he's trying to bleed in these new players as much as he can. He's bringing in the likes of Jamie McGrath, who never got a sniff under uh, Martin O'Neill or Mick McCarthy. The likes of Omid Mabele is now coming in because he plays the back three and he is a back three defender. Adamaida and Aaron Connolly are strikers, even though they're not very prolific, but they might turn that way for Ireland. Callum Robinson, uh, who to his credit, is doing very well in the championship, is our best outlet. But again, it's the team generating chances is what's, what he's trying to help. He's trying to get goals from midfield, trying to get goals from out wide, from defenders. Anywhere you can get him, just score a goal. Whereas I think with Mick McCarthy was, tallest guy, hit him, bam. You know, and it's, that is a very big change. I mean, there's, there's teams in the Premier League that are now going through that change and like that is a very, very slow process. They're, they're doing it on a week-to-week basis where you have time to train and so forth. Even Kenny has a couple of days in Malahite every few months. Yeah. It's very hard to get your, your, your approach there unless you have all these players same, playing the same style, which you don't. You know, So I think he's doing very, very well what he has, especially dealing with the criticism he, he is getting. I think the Nations League is only a big test in terms of how he can build on this. Can he actually top the Nations League group? Can he find the back way into the Euros for next time? That'll be the interesting thing because uh, that is at the point where you're expecting more improvement. Now, we're in a particularly rough Nations League group as it is, but uh, the competition breeds better better teams. So let's see how it goes. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to go Stephen Kenny as well on that one because I think he has done uh, a lot very well despite um, everyone's (laughs) best um, efforts. Um, so we have we are to our top three awards, Neil. Uh, in a sense, our three personal favorites. The first one is Banter Club of the Year. Now, Neil, we have a lot of particular candidates for this, and mm-hmm. um, very strong candidates that we've been slagging off since the start of the year. We're a small for choice in this one, aren't we? Uh, very much am, but I am plumping for Manu. Ooh, okay. I'm plumping for a club that's been telling everybody since they signed the great one, Cristiano CR7, back in the summer. I've been telling everybody that they're going to win the league, only to hit the new year 19 points behind <laughs> with a different manager. Uh, so yeah. 
I'm just going like, and along the way, it's been rocky. Um, yes, indeed. They've just been actually terrible. Like, I mean, they've they're just employing systems that don't suit any of the players they have. They've they're buying in players for ninety million pounds and benching them. Mm-hmm. Um, Van de Beek will probably have to murder a lot of his own teammates just to get onto the pitch. Um, I don't, I don't know what he needs, what he has to do to get a fucking game. Like Jesus Christ! Yeah. And they, what did he spend on Van de Beek? About fifty-five million, I think. Fifty million. Fucking hell! 40, Forty-nine million was the price. You know, sorry, that's the thing. It's like we get shit about fucking seventy million on Pepe. Like I was like, at least we get great, get good games out of Pepe, and he can be played. It's like, <laughs> at least we feel the fucker. I'm like, what are you gonna do with what's up in there? Like, you know, mm. <sighs> fucking ridiculous. You know. And it's just it's just crazy. And the team's starting to like I think the, the hand waving whinge baggery against Burnley, I think yeah. it's it, um or against Newcastle. Or Burnley. Oh, really, which, which, yeah. Whichever. But oh, like, games. you can just see that the team's starting to kind of eat itself. Yeah. You know, which was expected as well, to be fair. Yeah, it really is. And it's just going to be hilarious. And I'm like, they've appointed a a temporary interim manager to replace an interim manager after you got rid of the last one. And you're just going, like, what the fuck? Like, you know, Ranganik's only going to be there for six months until they sign another manager. And then he's going to move into a technical director role or an advisory role or whatever the fuck. And I'm just going, like, how is this going to be? He's a footballing consultant. He's a footballing consultant, a consultant role. That was the word I was looking for. And I'm like, what? How is? The, how did you make this? How does this make sense? How did you pitch this to somebody? Like Woodward's, oh, Woodward's still there, isn't he? Yes. Oh, well, he was meant that, to. He was meant to step down, but I think he was, he was meant to, there Yeah, exactly. Even then, like fucking Woodward was meant to step down after the Super League debacle. Still there, still making yeah. decisions, still wrecking shit. <laughs> it just kind of like this is fucking terrible. Like you know, they're having like actually quite good uh, coaches leave the team. Um. I think it was a Fletcher that left. Fletcher was like offered the job and he was like, no. And he, uh, Carrick left. Oh, it was Carrick. Yeah, it was Carrick. Carrick yeah. That was and Kieran McKenna is now the uh, Ipswich Town manager, I think. So yeah, he left as well. Yeah, and it's just, uh, I, I'm fucking, he, he, it was very obvious he went, he saw the coming tide and went, I want no part of this. That's a tide of sewerage. Uh, hmm. I am out of here. And they've just been hilarious, you know? I mean, like, uh, the Goldbridge best bits now have just been fucking highlights of my week uh, recently, like... That has helped out a lot, I think, really. Um, it's, gone through, it's got us through some very dark days. Uh, I, I, am, I am agreeing to grant a club of the year, but I will give a devil's advocate argument. Barcelona. <laughs> but is that, only, is that just this year? Yes, well, they had to let go of Messi this year and the Ronald Coleman decline and getting bumped out of the Champions League and eventually re- acquiescing to getting to giving Javi whatever he wants. And now, in, in those efforts, trying to sign players now uh, and to do so, bringing out, like, getting more bank loans just to sign these players to get the team back up and running. So in order to get out of debt, they had to get a better team. But to get a better team, they have to get more debt. How does that work? <laughs> you know, and even then, but like, as, as unfortunate as for Sergio Aguero, the, the, the fact that he had to retire as well and they had to spend a lot of wages on him uh, for, for that deal to happen. And unfortunately, now he has to retire. That is just like everything about Barcelona is so fucked in the sense where, like, even it's affecting players around them. Um, 
I mean, I don't even know they're going to be a selling club. Like, are they going to sell players? Are they in a position to sell players? Because they're on like massive wages. Will they want to? Well, they do go? have. They do have lots of saleable assets. Mm. Um. Actually, we were talking about it earlier, and I said I'd be very happy if we got um. The Vreed, who's the fucking oh Dijon, Frankie Dijon. Dijon yeah. I'd be very delighted if we got Dijon off of them. And I reckon that we could get him for not a tremendous amount more than what we got Odegaard for. Yeah. Um, and Jesus Christ, I mean, like, we'd have a midfield then of Party Dijon and potentially fucking Odegaard. Yeah. Um, I don't think that'd be fucking sick, or maybe party um, the Jong and the Conga, mm. you know, or something, something in <laughs> some, that. Some combination of, of that, yeah. Some combination of that. I'm thinking, Jesus, that's brilliant. And he's in the right age bracket. He's 24, so he's a year out of the age bracket. But 24 is still pretty fucking young. That's yeah, fine, yeah. You know, they're they, you know they're in a desperate position. They're picking up huge more loans. I think they're getting. They're not even getting bank loans. Like they're getting loans off like hedge funds because no bank yeah, loan yeah. to them. <laughs> you know, like so you know the interest rates on them are that's the thing, they're banking on future success, which they might not get. Because bear in mind they're out of the Champions League. So that's a that's not an option. So the Europa League now, aren't they? The Europa League. Europa League, yeah. So yeah. their only hope now is to guarantee to win it so that they don't have to rely on the league, which is not exactly a guarantee at the moment. So yeah, it's not a good match. So we have a choice of Barca versus Man United. Um which it was a Champions League final a couple of years ago. It shows you how far they've, those two have fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Man United, I think. I'm, gonna, I'm happy to go to go with that one because that, like, as you said, the, the whole thing where, like, they're, they're, the signing of Ronaldo, I, I'm even thinking of Ronaldo. I'm thinking of Sancho and Varane. Like, Varane was a sensible signing. He wanted a, a partner to, to, to replace Maguire and that didn't happen. They put him alongside. Jesus, why? Uh, but... But even then, the fact that they were just signing superstar after superstar after superstar without fixing the team. And as you said, that team now successfully eating itself because there's so many egos in there and the people in charge are not able to handle it. So now they have to bring someone in who's so emotionally detached from the team that he's going to say, you're going to run from me or else you're going to die. It's like, um, <laughs> oh, thanks, sir. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a weird combination, but definitely, yeah, I think as, as band of clubs go, um, I hope it's still going to continue into 2022. I'm cautiously optimistic, but we'll see. Um, I'm hoping it'll take a while for them to get their shit together anyway, uh, in that sense. So next award then is Football is Broken. So this goes to a singular moment where it's like more like a, a, a WTF mo- moment, a WTF award of like, when we thought like football could not get any weirder than this, Neil, what was that moment for you this year? Football could not get any weirder than this. Hold on for a second. It's the weirdest fucking. I have to think about this. Hang on. I am going to throw in, and I'm just going to say the words Nat Phillips. <laughs> Because again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, the fact that we essentially did ping our entire Champions League hopes on what was at the time our sixth choice centre back, seventh choice centre back, I would say. So again, we, we had a hole burned through our defence quite literally. And toward by the end of the season, our centre back pairing was Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, who were sixth and seventh choice respectively. We managed to qualify, and not only qualify, but we finished third in the league with that centre back 
pairing, which I think is absolutely bizarre, but also incredible at the same time for an, for like an, an, an accomplishment. Because like I said, those players may not, I don't know, I don't know they, they'll ever be quality for a Champions League. Like, like Nat Phillips who has his level. I'm not sure about Reese Williams, but he's doing pretty well at Swansea at the moment. You know, like that, to, to be able to, to pull that team into a third place position, I think is incredible. Considering that like, the amount of injuries and the amount of COVID flowing or fighting around, they're able to manage it. Uh, so yeah, I, I think in that sense, I think uh, just seeing him being the the reason why Liverpool are back in the Champions League, I think is a very what the fuck moment, you know. And the fact that he has that kind of like, I mean, Liverpool love their cult heroes. Don't get me wrong, he is a fairly good one because yeah. in the club, in the in the in the in the age of like beautiful football and. Uh, fantastic passing and striking and, and highlight reels and so forth. It's nice to have a footballer that looks straight out of the Terry Butcher like school of English defenders. Big Terry Butcher. You know the kind of way. Whereas someone you expect to see him in a bloodied bandana after eating too many Argentinians. You know the kind of way. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, he is the perfect player to bring us to the Champions League. Someone who was just like literally from a forgotten time. Uh, but even then, like. Actually, I, I, I will crystallize it into a single moment, right? It's not Phillips again. And it's actually from this season where we're playing against AC Milan in the last get match day, where again, we had no, we didn't have to necessarily pull out the full beans to, to win the game. We didn't win it anyway. But the sheer fact that like Nat Phillips has Latin Ibrahimovic and Frank Kessie hounding down on them, and he Cruyff turns in his own box and plays it out. Nat Phillips. <laughs> Does that to Zlatan Ibrahimovic? It's like, oh my fucking god, this is abnormal at best. <laughs> this is unusual at best. And um, yeah, I think that one moment, I think, is uh, is, is peak Nat Phillips for me. So I'm gonna go with that. Um, how about you, Neil? I'm gonna go with the, my football is broken moment. Has to be Messi leaving Barcelona. <sighs> Oh, I see we're going for two very polar opposites of footballing talent here. I like that. Uh, it's just, yeah, with Messi being on the very lowest end there. Um, I was about to say, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I just, I was just sitting yeah. there going, like, obviously, like, Barcelona's been a hilarious dumpster fire for the last two years, and it's been hilarious, and will continue to be more That's hilarious. Yeah. But just seeing Messi in another jersey, like... It was funny, actually. Um, a friend once mentioned when that happened, he's like, that's going to be weird because I don't even... I think it's weird seeing Messi in an Argentina jersey. Point, actually, <laughs> you know, yeah. So ubiquitous is he in a Barcelona yeah. jersey that people are like, when he's playing for this country, you're like, who the fuck? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, he's an Argentine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, see him in a Paris Saint-Germain jersey, it's just crazy. And also the fact that like the whole circumstance around him leaving, the whole circumstance around Barcelona, it's just all, uh, like, holy fuck, it's just pure drama. And it's, mm. it's they are the, that's the tip of the iceberg of the absolute fucking shit show that football has been the last two years. And uh, yeah, I mean, fucking not even Nostradamus could have predicted how badly Barcelona's 2021-2020 season as well. just gone. Like, it's just been terrible. But that that was it. Like, I I didn't really watch his fucking press conference because I'm not into that type of shit or anything like that. But just, Messi is no longer playing for Barcelona. It's It's something, but is playing for another team is not something I would ever thought I would say. 
I don't think Aston is like when you see him playing for PSG, you can tell he's just his heart's not in it as well. Like he is very emotionally detached from from where he is. Like it, it is a case of like PSG were literally the only team that could financially take him, you know. And it's a case of like I, I get I, I said this earlier uh, in the season as well. It's like well, if he if he was that like heartbroken, go back to Argentina, go back to playing for Newell's like you said you would rather than just taking twenty million a year. But no, 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 take twenty million a year, go for it. You do you found. You know, so in the case of like, oh, he is heartbreaking to leave Barcelona, but Peco, eh, not so much. You know, so in a sense, I do, I do feel it's a, it's, it's a certain case of crocodile tears, but also him recognizing his value as the best player in the world. I do get that. Well, it's like it's kind of weird because I said this when all of this was happening. I was like, he fucking hates the management. Yeah, and I was like, this is a management that gave him half a billion euros over four years. So, it gave how, him literally how, everything. Yeah. How badly do you have to be as a manager if you can pay somebody half a billion euros and they still hate you? So, mm. you trust me, you don't want to go into the list of things I would let somebody do to me for half a billion and I would still like them. You can't say this on <laughs> like, a podcast anyway. No, definitely not. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's like I'm just going, holy fuck. Like, but yeah, no, I mean they were even trying to work out that he would play for free and then get an advisory role at the club when he fucking when he retired, but just never put the paperwork through because they're no. a fucking clusterfuck. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think he'd have gone for. Yeah. No, I, I'd say he would have, given the choice. I mean, certainly he was, I think he was banking on a change of presidency and it just like, mm. I don't know what like conversations were had and so forth, but it certainly didn't go the way he wanted. So yeah, interesting one. So so Neil, in the battle of Lionel Messi versus Nat Phillips, who wins? I would go Nat Phillips, Christ turning in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> <laughs> I would too to be fair <laughs> there's lots of weird moments but like that is a weird moment that is that that is like the the peak of uh that's a, that's a peak of like post lockdown football where you're thinking like oh things are gonna go back to normal no 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 fuck no that's 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 too much that's too far bring back COVID I don't I don't trust this football <laughs> um so we come to the main event lads um and it's very strange that we're doing kind of the year in the middle of the show but uh we are here for our awards. So, COD of the Year. Um, Neil, there can only be one. Who is your COD? Only be one COD. You've got yours. You go first. Hang on. I've still got my list. Oh, I have so many choices. Um, <laughs> I have so, so many choices. I'm kind of going for something that hasn't really been mentioned yet. Um, tangentially, I'm going to go with the European Super League, should be told. Because I think like that was the biggest flight of fantasy we've had in football for a very, very long time. You know, in, in a sense where we know we know already that there is an elitist nature to, to European football in particular, especially when you do like involve the Premier League, the, the top three from each nation and so forth. They all think better than, than everyone else around them. But for them to be so barefaced and say, we don't want to play the likes of Burnley or Ibar anymore. We want to be playing Barcelona in New York every week. And we're not going to allow the rest of you in. You have to prove yourselves to us. Um, and it is such a very 1% billionaire mindset of like, if you want to win, you have to be as rich as us. And in a sense, that is a, a, a problem that football has created by itself. And now it's reaping those problems. Where like FIFA and UEFA have a, have like administratively allowed billionaires and ty- tycoons and states to back football clubs, 
why are they acting so surprised when they turn around and go, we want to make our own league because we don't like the way you're running it. And the, like the actual, like the, the, the passive aggression and the, the sense of betrayal, I think was so foolhardy as well. It's like when you bring in a whole lot of these capitalists to, ru- to run your, your game and when they start making a gambit to run your game, why are you acting so surprised? So I think everyone in that situation looks so bad. And I think it's even so much worse, the fact that the likes of Florentino Perez and uh, Andrea Agnelli are still pushing the agenda. They still want the Super League to happen and they are convinced, if not deluded, that it's going to happen. Maybe it will, but for the interest of sporting like you know, fairness, I think it, it should be fought against in every way. But again, in a, in a sport where like money is very clearly the deciding factor and not sporting fairness, you know, how long can you hold out? <laughs> you know, kind of way, because like let's face it, the Super League was like still here. You could argue Barca would not be in financial direness. They'd be going, oh, we have this billion pound deal from JP Wagner. That'll cover us. They'll this will cover us for the next while, and that's why they're doing it. It's for self preservation, you know. They, like some of these billionaires have only been like in charge of these clubs for 10, 15 years, as opposed to the hundreds of years of history. And they're going, no, no, this is what matters now. Our, our asset is what matters now. And that just did not click with them at all. Uh, again, the funniest part was that like, you know, you had like genuine clubs at the table, like Real Madrid, uh, you know, Liverpool, Manchester United, um, no elites, like teams you expect to be in a Roman Super League. Tottenham. Who invited you? <laughs> the, the door was open. Like I don't know. Like it's it, the the fact that like they were just allowed in, you know, was was kind of like a was kind of like a weird thing. Well, somebody had to be bottom of the table type of idea, you know. But um, yeah, very a very bizarre time. And I think what was also bizarre was the fact that like that was being fought more during a COVID lockdown than anything else that was going. Like that was literally what stopped a lockdown in England because fans had to protest this. This had to be done as opposed to any other social movements you could have had in this time. In fact, there were social movements at this time that were more important. But to some people, football is literally everything. And this was the thing you had to fight over. There was just such a, a bizarre two weeks where this has been far fought and argued against. I remember when, uh, when the news broke, the next day, uh, Liverpool were playing Leeds, and Leeds had a great had a banner out about the European Super League, and they were bantering the club out of it. And then Klopp was on the was was basically interviewed on the spot about it. And he said, "No, I don't like it. I wasn't told about it. I hate it." And then even after the match, the, the James Milner was asked, "Do you like the European Super League?" No, I don't like it. I don't hate it. And everyone was pondering, going, "Well, what does this mean for football?" So it's like it means everyone hates it. <laughs> what does it look like? This is a set of billionaires making their own play. That's all this is. You know, like it's not a grand philosophical question. It's a, it's a bunch of capitalists being capitalists. What do you expect? Fight it. That's what you do. You know, so I, I think from all that and the fact that they're, they're still trying to, trying to um, encourage it and, and try and make it happen, I think, is why it's my card of the year because it's going to keep coming up. They're, they're going to keep peddling this because... They don't want to admit that they can't run a football team, football uh, as a business. They're always working a loss, especially in Spain, especially in Barcelona and Real Madrid, because they know they can't compete with the Premier League. And they don't want to work within the means of the Spanish League, especially with the bailout coming. They don't want to be part of that. They want, they, they want to basically run their own shop. And they can't because no one else will join them. 
So uh, I still think it's going to be a argument that's going to be rumble on, but for now, it's almost certainly the cut of the year. So that'll teach him. Absolutely. It also led to like some severely quotable quotes, like, I didn't realise we had snakes working so close to us. <laughs> from uh, Alexander Seferin talking yes. about the god the person who was godfather to his daughter. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, I was like, God damn. I'm I'm just saying the new FIFA movie's gonna be great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It really, really fucking is. Um oof, like how am I gonna what am I gonna do it's gonna top fucking the Super League? Here's saying, right? Here's my card of the year. It's going to be Jose Mourinho. Oh, shrewd choice, Neil. Forgot you can always depend on him. You can always depend on him to fuck shit up and mm. never blame anybody but the players. And he is in full bus throwing mode at Roma. Yeah. He was tossed out. He was tossed out. Maybe out of pram, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm about to. Um, <laughs> And he went to Roma because he thought, oh, yeah, this will be great. They'll give me all the money. Roma don't even own their own fucking stadium. So they're not going to give him fuck all. Um, he's been slagging off his reserve teams because he fielded them and they got absolutely drilled by his, the largest losing deficit he's ever had in his career. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, well, you know, he, he almost blamed like the reporters for it. Like he blamed them for like, well, you always like me off for rotating, not rotating my team. Here's why I don't rotate you know, yeah. look at what the kids, I was like, what's that going to do to their fucking confidence, mate? You're their coach. If they're shit, it's because of you, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's just, I was kind of a coin toss between them and Newcastle being bought out by the Saudis. It's a weird one, isn't it? That's See, because you went for a real principled it. stance and I just wanted to be bitter and petty. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Two very different emotions there. I like that. I just, yeah. I just wanted to counterpoint your like very principled talk there. With nah, I just hate this. Concept. It's hard to be ethical about football, Neil, but I try sometimes. You know, it's, it's a very. <laughs> no, I'm sticking with, fuck it. I'm sticking with Jose. Yes, okay, sticking with Jose right. Mourinho. Jose Mourinho. So we have a choice of Jose Mourinho or the European Super League. What would you go like? It's, of course, it's going to be the Super League. Like it, mm-hmm. it's hands down the dumbest idea football's had. And, decades and the amount of support they got for it was actually quite shocking I think um, yeah that, that was just it like, actually that's a good point the fact that people there were like a surprising level of people that were on board of this yeah like a very the, like kind of utopian manner like, like a huge what? amount of fucking yeah. huge amount of support from the Premier League well most of these yeah. in one city um, <laughs> huge amount of support from the Premier League this is a support from a fucking league that is the only top league that doesn't have a five substitute rule because mm. everybody else, it makes sense to, whereas in the Premier League, all the smaller clubs stupidly think that it favours the big clubs when in actual fact it doesn't because as they have smaller squads, they can't rotate as much. Mm. <laughs> it's just awful. Like It's just, it's really, really awful. But yeah, like I'll go to, I'll go to Super League. I, I can't just... I think Carl Anka said that three footballing words he doesn't want to hear in 2022 is football, a uh, Super League revival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's let's hope it doesn't because, like, you know, we could do it a quarter year, lads. Just saying, you know, um, it would be nice. 
uh, Inside Burtball did chime in with her cod, and it was also the Super League. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that covers that uh, aspect of it. So there's your awards, lads. Moment of the year is Sam Kerr body checking a twat. The best match of the year, as agreed by us, was Ireland's uh, four winning win against Qatar, arguably the turning point of Stephen Kenny's reign. The worst match of the year was the uh, belated FA Cup final between Arsenal and Chelsea women. Uh, best player of the year, Katie McCabe. Worst player of the year, Harry Maguire. I'd love to see them in a fight, to be honest. Uh, underrated player was Gabriel Magales for Arsenal. And overrated was Romelu Lukaku of Chelsea. Um, our favourite manager, Stephen Kenny. Banter club of the year, Man United. Football is broken award is Nat Phillips uh, Cruyff turning Zlatan at the San Siro. Fuck me, that's a, that's a phrase. And the cut of the year is the Super League. And I can't agree more than that. Um, so uh, we have a little bit of other business to deal with before the season uh, roundup, uh, end of year roundup, rather, Neil. And you remember VAR Wars, don't you, Neil? I do, indeed. Of course you do. I mean, how could you forget? It was one of our uh, resident uh, gimmicks on this uh, podcast when, you know, I was still doing uh, interludes and production value <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, rather than we just go, ah, fuck it, let's just talk football for half an hour. Um, so I, I have actually kept up to date uh, ish. I did it mostly in a rush today with how VAR is going this year. And it's you would think it's a lot more civil um, this year with the less interventions. A lot of it is about what they miss sometimes. But unfortunately, that doesn't count on the spreadsheet. So let me tell you, um, actually, Neil, I'll get you to guess. Who do you think has benefited the most from VAR this season? Just from your own perception, who do you think is the biggest beneficiaries? Of the AR. Spurs. Spurs and Man U. Spurs and Man U. Okay, interesting. Uh, and who do you think... Oh, no, sorry. No, wait, wait, wait. No, City have got some... City have been on the receiving end of some fucking really ridiculous fucking... Yes, yeah, so I'll go... It, it'll either be Spurs or either the Manchester clubs. Okay, you're going to go with... You, you seem to be swaying towards Man City there, I think. Yeah. Man City or Spurs. Yeah, okay, interesting. And who do you think has suffered the most? Ooh. Ooh. Newcastle. In particular, Ryan Fraser. <laughs> oh, that, that one in particular was bollocks. <laughs> that, that, that poor gun's got like that poor gun. Like, yeah, I, I reckon somebody could axe him to the head and they'll fuck him for getting in the way of the axe. I think so, yeah. Like, like literally, maybe the bar referee just like hates him because it's like it's like a like, 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 other part of the family or something. Like, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Fraser, you know, he, he had an ACA on and Fraser did something that cost him the ACA or some shit. It, it could be the reason why I hate whole city. So like, <laughs> Fuck um, Fraser. <laughs> yeah, this is why we don't like Hull, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We all remember that day. Um, so, yeah, and, and, the, and the, the unfortunate thing is in that sense is that, like, those kind of, like, like VAR should have intervened there. We can't really count on that because we know VAR should have, but they didn't. So it's like, a, how do you divide by zero type of situation? Mm. But I will tell you, Neil, the current losers of VAR Wars with a score of minus three are Leicester and Everton. <sighs> Mm. Yes, uh, Leicester had a, a they had a VAR red, a red card for Jose Perez earlier in the start of the season. Uh, Vardy had a goal ruled out for offside. Luckman had a goal ruled out for offside, and they have never benefited from VAR at all this season. Oh, damn. Yeah, nothing at all. Everton have had a very busy year when it comes to VAR war, so I argue that these are the biggest losers comparatively. And <laughs> um, started off well; they got a penalty uh, the second match day from Calvert Lewin, and uh, then they were getting another penalty from Townsend. And then, oh, it all went very sour for everything when it came to VAR. Uh, then a goal ruled out for uh, offside. It was Yerry Mina. 
then two minus twos. <laughs> so it was one, uh, it was in the uh, Leicester and, uh, or sorry, in the Everton Spurs game. Uh, it was first off, you had the, uh, it's very weird one where the penalty was rescinded after VAR showed Loris got a hand to the ball despite Fallon Richardson, right? So that was that one. And then it was also later on in the game was Holgate getting his booking escalated to a red card after a VAR review. So that was, that was on Heiberg. So that was a minus two. And then just a couple of weeks ago, actually, was another minus two, where Charleston, it was actually the Everton game, or the uh, Arsenal game, I should say, uh, where Richardson was caught offside for two goals. <laughs> so that was two minus two. So he's so in essence, they've had a minus five, but the plus two kind of uh, cancels that out. Uh, if you like, in the relegation zone for VAR Wars is Burnley uh, with a minus two. Mm. Um it has been actually overall more beneficial this year, funny enough. Uh, a few teams suffering at the moment are uh, Wolves, Watford, and Man United, all on minus ones. Um, currently breaking even, uh, not in no particular order, are Brentford, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Norwich, and Spurs. Mm. So currently benefiting uh, are uh, Southampton. These are all on plus ones. Southampton, Manchester City, Liverpool... Leeds, Chelsea, and Aston Villa, which means your top two by process elimination is on two points West Ham because they've had a couple of a lot of incidents over the year, but they are the uh, a plus two overall. But the biggest beneficiaries, well, at least by our standards, is Arsenal hmm. on a plus three. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the rundown. Match day four, uh, Abamyang's uh, goal is VAR approved after checking for offside. I think that was against Norwich. Uh, a couple of weeks later, then, uh, VAR was awards a penalty after target fails Lacazette in the box. So that's already a plus two. Then we have a goal ruled out for offside. I think it was Bakary Saka a couple of weeks later. Then another yeah. plus one. Uh, this is against Man United. Uh, this is the very funny one where uh, <laughs> the goal was disallowed initially because it was deemed to have been a foul on De Gea. And then when VAR reviewed it, it was actually Fred that injured De Gea. So the goal was given. <laughs> And then uh, very recently, in fact, it was the last, most recent game, uh, that was the Varchek on the Smith-Rowe goal against Norwich. So there you go, Neil. Arsenal have actually been the biggest beneficiaries of VAR this season. Hmm. Is that a surprise? Very much so. Yeah, there you go. You've won something. How about that? Um, so another segment we are reviving for this end-of-season review, because it's the best time to do it, is the P45 crew. 21 sackings so far in the English league, Neil. I, I will not go through them all, especially in the lower leagues, but some particular highlights. Who do you think was the first sacking this season? Oh, who sacked first? Yeah. So that's a little, there's a brain teaser. I didn't keep down the sad attack, Neil, but I thought I'd, I thought I'd hit you on the spot this time with it. And I would say it was the 16th of September, literally like five weeks into the season. I can tell oh, you it wasn't the Premier League. All right, no, I've no idea. No. Uh, the first second was Chris Hewton. Oh, because yeah. he lost seven of his first, first eight games of the season. Nottingham Forest started the first eight games at one point. That's how bad they were. Derby, even though they had a penalty, <laughs> was above them, which is pretty bad. Um, so, yes, he was sacked uh, and taken over by Steve Cooper. Uh, so, Middlesbrough got the kill on that one. Uh, there was a second in League Two. Again, we'll get to them shortly. Uh, 
Another big one was in the Premier League, the first sacking in the Premier League was Watford's uh, a mandatory pit stop when it comes to managers. Uh, they sacked off Cisco Gomez for, I know, not speaking English or something. I, it's hard to tell what the criteria is these days. And uh, Dili Ding, Dili Dong, Cardio Ranieri took over uh, and Leeds was the one to get the kill on that. Uh, next one of interest is Steve Bruce, who got sacked on the 20th of October. Of course, that was from the Saudi takeover. Uh, Spurs got the kill on that one. Uh Next one, the championship was Big Mick McCarthy getting sacked on the 23rd of October uh, by Middlesbrough again. So uh, Middlesbrough have two kills so far this season. Uh, another champ, another few uh, big sackings was uh, Nuno leaving Spurs uh, a day, the day after Halloween because it wasn't enough of a horror show as it is. But mm-hmm. uh, Man United got the kill there. And uh, Barnsley, who were everyone's favourite last year, I mean, the, the most, the biggest pressers in Europe, yeah, they're second from bottom in the championship right now. So they literally burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, Jesse Marsh's replacement, uh, Marcus Shop, uh, got the chop from that. So uh, Bristol got the kill. Bristol City got the kill from that. A few more uh, seconds in quick succession. Then in November, Daniel Farke from Norwich uh, got sacked, even though he beat Brentford and picked up the first win of the season. That's really gone well, lads, hasn't it? All the same. Yeah. Um, and, champ- and in the championship, living by the sword, dying from the sword. Neil Warnock of Middlesbrough getting the sack, uh, despite uh, killing two off himself. West Brom uh, doing the world justice there. Chris Wilder now in charge, by the way, of uh, nice. Middlesbrough. Yeah, interesting one there. Um, Dean Smith then, as you mentioned, uh, took over at Norwich. Before then, he uh, delightfully got sacked by Aston Villa um, and was uh, taken over by Stephen Gerrard. So I had to get him the kill. Didn't, isn't that, that like one. a... Wasn't that like a, almost a P45 reversal because his first game in charge was against the club that sacked him? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. It was very, very... I think it was a sec... It was, I think he was... Yeah, when he got appointed, his first game that he was actually on the touchline for was against Arch. Yeah. Yeah. Funny one, isn't it? Um, uh, next dimension. <laughs> it was like a reverse Uno of, uh, of sackings, isn't it? It's weird. <laughs> it was like, ha, huh, now you know how I feel... Oh, we, we lost. Never mind. <laughs> So, I suppose that the most the biggest sacking of the season has to be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer leaving on the twenty first of November in perhaps the most hilarious fashions a four one loss to Watford, uh, because really anything that brings a smile to Claudio Ranieri's face is is deserving of of attention. There, uh, then we have we have a clutch of sackings in League One and League Two, but Championship wise, uh, Slavoj Kanovic uh, got sacked from Sheffield United when they were nineteenth, which shows you how well that season was going. Uh, and Redding got the kill on that. And then the most recent second, actually, is in the Championship too. Uh, Preston North End letting go of Frankie McAvoy. Uh, Blackburn Rovers getting the kill there. So I did skip the League 1 and League 2 sackings, but uh, Middlesbrough do have some competition because AFC Barrow also have two kills to their name. And excitingly enough, uh, they've done it uh, both in the league, where they've got uh, the Newport County manager sacked, but they also managed to get Paul Cook sacked from Ipswich Town through the FA Cup. So they've got two kills from two different competitions. So fair play to them. So at the moment, uh, Middlesbrough and AFC Barrow are currently fighting to be the P45 crew this season. So uh, more than that at the end of the season, lads, I think it's fair to say. So Neil, uh, we are nearly finished with this 2021 rundown. However, I have a stat attack for you. And Burkbot has delightfully, skillfully dodged the stat attack for this year. (laughs) So it is just you that has run the gauntlet. Are you ready? For 21 of the most slapdash quick fire questions I could think of in an hour. <laughs> Go for it. Let's do it. Question number one. 
Mo Salah has scored 15 goals in 19 Premier League games. However, Julian Alvarez is outscoring him in Argentina for River Plate. How many goals has he scored in 21 games? 23. 18. Bollocks. But he is very prolific and uh, supposedly getting a move to Europe uh, somewhere on the continent in January. We'll see. Wave uh, hand wavy to a country. Yeah, somewhere in there. It's normally Spain. Spain has the hook up, <laughs> right? It's either going to be, it's going to be someone outside the bottom three, the top three. <laughs> they'll, they'll do really well. They'll get a move and the circle of life continues. Um, that's how it goes. So, question number two. Rasmus Christensen is the most prolific right back in European football. How many goals has he scored for Red Bull Salzburg so far this season? Ah, oh, Christensen. It's nine, isn't it? Something like nine? <laughs> uh, nine is a good answer. It's actually six. Pollocks. He's six goals so far this season. Does Chilwell have that? He, Chilwell has four. Does he four? Fuck. It's four. probably six goal involvements. That's what I Goal read. involvements, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Christensen has ten goal involvements. So oh, that's wow. six and four, yeah. So he is very he is the most actually prolific defender in the in the top flight in the or in the top European leagues, if you like. So that's uh, that's how busy he is. So question number three, Neil. Out of the top five leagues in Europe, who's recorded the most assists? Most assists. Yes. So far this season. Trent. Trent is it's a very good answer. Uh, but funny enough, actually, Mo Salah's beating him for assists at the moment. Oh, right. uh, but the the current record with 15 assists this season is Thomas Muller. Fucking hell. Oh, Thomas I didn't Muller. know the Farmers League, yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> you didn't think of the Farmers. You never think of the Farmers. Uh, but yeah, Just to he give him has... with those guys. Like, you know. <laughs> I think he has all the crazy stuff. I think he has assisted... Six fifty percent of Luka- Lewandowski's goals, or something insane like that. It's pretty fucking intimidating. Yeah, uh, but they could feel their reserves and win the league. Like it's this is ridiculous. this is very. I think they have done. I mean, Chibamoteng is still on the books there. You know, I think yeah. they just bring him out as a joke kind of thing. Like, hey, if he if he, if he scores against you, just leave. Just yeah. gone. Dissolve the club. You're done. <laughs> He's like the football equivalent of a pink slip. If yeah. you lose to him, you, you're gone. You have to wind mm-hmm. up. Um. So yes, uh, next up then, question number four. According to transfer market, which footballer has had the biggest increase in market value in 2021? Biggest increase? Yes. Someone who has literally, essentially the question is statistically who was the breakout star in 2021? All right, fuck. Mm. It's a brain tickler, this one. Breakout star. I like the oh, fuck. I was gonna go with Chilwell because nobody was talking about him like last year, and now he's like indispensable to a Chelsea team. Mm. That was odds on to win the league. Um, no. Fuck. And you already gave the answer the previous year with Diaz. Well, Ruben Diaz was the most, like, uh, the, the best value, if you like. Yeah. The biggest value. This one is a case of, like, his, his market value has skyrocketed in the year 2021. So, say from, like, January 1st, 2021, he was a certain price. But then, by the end of the year, boom, if, you, if that makes sense. 
Oof. Um, shit, fuck it. Marshadelli, would it be? It's a, it's a decent, it's a shrewd answer, Neil. Um, <laughs> it's not right, unfortunately, because again, Martinelli would have had a certain amount of market value. Um, the answer is actually Dusan Vlahovic. Vlahovic, fuck. So he is now currently rated at 70 million euros. Yeah, that's his buyout clause, yeah. It is. That is an increase in market value of 337.5%. Wow. Yeah. Literally, like, from nothing to something in the space of a year. That's, the, that's how well he is. Again, 21-year-old Serbian striker that's scoring, outscoring everyone in Syria ad. That will do it. That will do it. So, uh, question number five. Manchester City ugh, recorded 110 Premier League points in 2021. Chelsea were second. How many points did they win in the calendar year 2021? Um, fuck, it'd be less than nine. Around 80, like mid 80s, 80, 84, something like that. 80. You're close, Neil. I'll give it to you. 83. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> you're a one off. You're a one off. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. You were very close. Um, like, so, I, I, I just only remember that it was like 25 or something like that more than anybody else. I was like, oh. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, you're, on, you're, on, you're on the board anyway, Neil. So, uh, according to Opta, which footballer has the biggest XG? In the WSL. Biggest XG in the WSL. Yes. Uh, Fuck it, would it be? Shit. XG, so there has to be a strike. Fuck it, I'll go with Miedema. Miedema is second. Oh, wank. To Sam Kerr. Ah, you fucker. Sam Kerr is a XG of 0.92, which means she's essentially guaranteed a goal per game, which is mm. pretty fucking wild. Um, but yeah, even then, good guess. Question number seven. Sebastian Aller has scored 10 goals in the group stages of the Champions League. How many did he score in his 54 games for West Ham? Shit, it's been less than 10. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he scored 10 and 6 for the Champions League for, for Ajax, but how much did he do in West Ham in 54 games? I remember reading about this. Has he scored for them? <laughs> Has he fucking? I don't like in the league. Uh, just no, in, in all competitions for in his in all in all fifty four games for for West Ham. So that's including the League Cup, anything Europe, anything like that. All of his appearances for West Ham. All right. Fuck! I go with lucky seven. Seven. It's actually double that, Neil. It's 14. Oh, right. I always thought it was less than 10. I thought that was yeah, a joke. I, I, I was playing you for a fiddle there, Neil. You see? <gasps> Being sneaky and shit. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, question number eight is a true or false question. Pat and Daka, my boy, has scored <laughs> more goals for Leicester in the Europa League than in both Premier League and Carabao Cup combined. He scored more in the Europa League. Europa- yeah, I'll go with that true, yeah. It is true. Yeah. In the six games he's had for Leicester, he scored five. Namely, there were four against Spartak Moscow, where he just went fucking mental. Uh, <laughs> so far, so far, he's scored three Premier League goals and one in the Carabao Cup. So it's five versus four. So uh, that's done, Neil. That's two for you. Question number nine. I'm playing on your goal, goalkeeper's uh, knowledge here for this one. Oh, God. Which goalkeeper currently has the most clean sheets in Syria A? The most clean sheets in Syria? Syria? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> I haven't actually been watching a tremendous amount of Serie A this season. Mm. Oh shit, it's not even this season. You're talking about this year, isn't it? No, no, this season. This season. All right. Because it would have been done on rumour, let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I went to this season. <laughs> Who's the best ones? Patricio? No, he's not. Oh, he's got the pens out, lads. This is serious business. I'm going to get my fucking one more torn coin out here. It's oh either Hand Andovic. Ooh. Um, For Inter Milan. Yeah. Him or Patricio? Fuck it. You know, I'll go with Samir Ham- Handanovic. I think he's he's had a very good season, actually. He has had a very good season. He is currently second. Wank off. To the Napoli goalkeeper. Ospina. Ospina. David Ospina currently has the golden glove in Syria A. With it, can't nine more than, it can't be by more than one. I think it is a difference of one. There's a difference Fuck. of one. Yeah. But David Ospina is the golden glove holder at the moment. So there you go. Aren't you a little proud of your little Colombian boy? <laughs> so, question number 10. Who is currently leading goal scorer in League On? Currently the leading goal scorer. Yes. Fuck, I don't watch League On at all. Mm. <laughs> It's on Amazon, Neil. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. Um, Mike Biscuits. Because he's odd. Oh, no, he's playing for fucking Dion. Oh, no. Is he? No, shit. Hang on. Um, he's just signed a new fucking contract. Uh, that's going to wreck my head <sighs> you have a player in mind do you I, I try, I'm trying to think of it because I was actually looking at it like an Arsenal rundown mm. of players that we could sign and two of them were forwards both of them were like oh no this guy's just signed a new contract in league one because he's fucking scored shit loads of goals mm-hmm. um because they just through to because Lille Lille are through to the 
round the fucking 16. Leal, is it Jonathan David? It is Jonathan David. Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> fucking do it because I was, I was watching there because there was like, <laughs> oh yeah, well, Arsenal have been looking at John David for ages, but he's just signed a new contract. I was like, fuck yes. yes. It is Jonathan David with 12 goals this season so far. He's outscoring uh, Yasin Ben Yedder, with, who has 10, and Kylian Mbappe only has nine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, PSG are not great goal scorers at the moment, to be fair. Although their goals are kind of like diverse around the team as well. So it's not like a kind of a focal point. That's just Mbappe's fucking off now. So it means nothing really. Uh, Neil, yeah, that's three on the mark so far. Not bad going. So we're at the halfway mark now. True or false? Ben Brereton Diaz, playing for Blackburn Rovers, recently declared for Chile, celebrated his new citizenship by becoming top goal scorer in this year's Copa America. Is that true or false? Was he the goal scorer, the top goal he was scorer? The, was the he the top goal scorer in the Copa America? Shit. Do you think the Copa America top goal scorer currently plays in the championship for Blackburn Rovers? And doesn't even speak Spanish. Doesn't have to, mate. He's completed it. <laughs> no, I don't think so, no. Do you think it's false? I think it's false. He has scored for them, though, because he did He did score for them. He, he scored for his first game for Chile. He scored yeah. for his second game with Chile. And that's it. He's, it's his fault. Um, Messi uh, and Luis Diaz for Colombia share the uh, goal scoring. Oh, the other uh, Diaz. Yes. Uh, Luis Diaz for, uh, I think he plays for Independiente, I think. He's yeah. a Colombian player anyway. Um, expect him to be signed for like Everton in like fucking like two years time. Um, but yeah, they both scored four. The uh, Barrett Diaz scored two in the competition. There could have been three, I'm not too sure. Uh, he scored three and nine caps though. So it's a pretty decent record, all things considered. Um, fair play to him. So uh, that's four points for you now, Neil. Question number 12. I love this question, by the way. I think this is the hardest question of the quiz because it's a <laughs> fucker to work out, right? Wayne Rooney's Derby County currently sit bottom of the table, of the championship table, due to points deductions. If there were no deductions, where would they sit in the championship table? So Doc Twenty One, yes. Fuck, would they be mad? They have had they've they've had a good season. Um, considering they've had like a team of like youngsters and. Part-timers in the squad as well. So yeah, would they be twelfth? I'd say twelve mid-table. I'd say mid-table. I'm gonna give it to you, Neil. Thirteenth. Oh, you fucking bastard! They would have had they it, it, with seven wins and ten draws. You actually have a tally of thirty-one points altogether. <sighs> so it, it is actually theoretically possible that they can survive this season because they're on a good bit of form, bar COVID and bar you know injuries and. No players and shit like that, but they, you know they're they're they are surviving in a sense, and they might get out of the bottom drop zone. I think only four away from four away from Barnsley and six away from Peterborough, so not bad going. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, I'm gonna give you that one. So that's five out of twelve so far, Neil. Question number thirteen: Which European country did Aston Villa right back Matty Cash recently declare for? Oh, 
Poland, is it? Is the right answer, Neil? Yeah. Nicely done. Uh, yes, his uh, grandmother is Polish. Mm-hmm. Um, so we declared for them uh, 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 in the last round of Euro fixtures and was immediately in the team, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You already are thinking of him for captain. It's pretty wild. Uh, question number 14. See that the uh, African Cup of Nations is starting. What is the highest ranked African country in the current FIFA rankings? Is it Egypt? It's a good answer. It's not. It's Ivory Coast. Senegal. Oh, Senegal. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd have gone with Ivory Coast for my next guess. Yeah. Um. All right. Weirdly enough, like Egypt and Ivory Coast are both pot two for the were both pot two for the Cup of for Africa Cup of Nations. Um. Even Algeria, who were the reigning defenders of the Cup of Nations, isn't even in the top uh, top forty. Actually, Senegal are twentieth. In the FIFA rankings. Wow. Um, now, the FIFA rankings are not like ideal in a sense because the USA are like 16th, and that's because they had the, the CONCAF like this yeah. past year. So it, it can fluctuate, but that's where they are at the moment. Um, so hard luck on that one. Question number 15 Who has covered the most ground in the Premier League so far this season? Who's clocked the most mileage? Oh, Jesus. Um... I think he's played every outfield. Um, fielder runs everywhere. Just in the league or just? Uh, yeah, in the Premier League, yeah. Um... Fuck. Uh, go West Ham. They've always got fucking mad runners. But fucking Moisey has them all over the kip. Fuck. <laughs> what West Ham players? Fuck. I'll actually, the only West Ham player I've got in my fantasy football team, I'll go with that. I'll go with Susek or Suchek, whoever else you pronounce his name. I'm not Suchek. Yeah. Is the right answer. You fuck off. It is, is the right answer. My fucking foot there. It is the right answer. 203 Nine. kilometers. 203. I could be wrong with that, but I think that, that could have been last year's um, stat as well. But he he all, he clocked the same level of mileage this time last season as well. Fucking so hell. He, he covered the most mileage last season and he's already at that level this season. So he's uh, he, he's uh, he's doing pretty well for himself. In the last but, season, but I thought it wasn't then Donker the last season. The guy from uh, the it could have been, but I'm fairly sure Suchek dipped him at the post because ah. Suchek plays box to box. So, fuck where he gets the ball from. Some, yeah. yeah. Plus, I think he has the most stride as well. So, like, he's like six foot three. So, it's like 12 fucking glides and he's there from box to box. Like, <laughs> the guy doesn't have to break a sweat half the time. And um, <clears throat> so, see, I've gone with Milner, but he's not been playing that much. That's the thing. Yeah. In a, in a game, you'd argue Milner will make that, that, that yeah. much. Milner, but, no, if, if yeah. Milner had started as often, for Liverpool, I'd have easily gone with him. And yeah, it probably exactly. be right. It could have been, yeah, because like the guy, like on average, does like do eight or nine kilometer per match. So like, and even then, he's like what forty seven now. It's a bit fucking unfair and everything else. 
He got he, he pulled his hamstring this season. Yeah, that's the beginning of the end. Yeah, you have to put him down now. It's terrible. Um, so uh, yeah, well done, Neil. You get the point for that one. Um, so next up then, Robert Lewandowski was the highest goal scorer in the year of 2021. Oh. What was his tally for the year? Goals. Yeah. Isn't that something crazy like 63? It's even crazier than that, Neil. It's 69. 69, yeah. 69, yeah. How did I forget that number? How, how, how can anyone forget that number when the first time you see it? Um, so, question number 17. Ousmane Dembele is looking to leave Barcelona this summer on a free transfer. He joined for a transfer fee of 135 million euro from Borussia Dortmund. Mm-hmm. How many games did he play for Barcelona since the transfer in June 2017? Oh, he's played fuck all for them. So this is in five years. So his entire run of the contract, how many games has he played? In all competitions as well for Barcelona. So not just the league, but competitions, Champions League, the whole shebang. So potential, let's say, if you wanted to work it out, potential 45 to 50 games per season if he was fit. 45 to 50 games a season if he was fit. But he's never been fit. So if Barcelona were in every competition, if you want it, from yeah. the start to finish, you know, so that's they like have that. been actually. You know, I don't think he's probably played at least a full season. I'll go at like fucking 50, 50, 51. 51 games. Uh, it is thankfully a lot higher than that, but ironically enough, not higher than his transfer fee. 126 games he's, play, he's played, either he's starting played. or as a sub. For Barcelona? For Barcelona, yeah. Frank. Yeah, about that. The fact that like that player is costing him for every match that costs him about a million and a bit each time is uh, pretty heartbreaking. Uh, I'm fairly sure Coutinho's one is so much lower as well, though. In fairness, like Dembele has been given the chances, he just has not reflected it. Um, in fact, I'm even thinking. I think uh, the other stat, the stat I wasn't going to use here. I think he was only got 30 goals in those games. So, for someone who was essentially meant to be the Neymar replacement, not the output you wanted. And so. Uh, we're nearly at the end, Neil. Four more questions. According to transfer markets, how many Spanish clubs make the top five most valuable teams? So this is like combined market value. How many Spanish teams are in that top five? None. Is the correct answer. The top five in order from start from five to one, Liverpool fifth, Man United fourth, Chelsea third, PSG second, and Man City first. Yeah. Man City are the first ever billion dollar squad. Mm-hmm. Which um, is painful to say. Um, so, yeah, that's a seven point on the board, Neil. So, let's see if you can keep the momentum going. Statistically, who is the best goalkeeper so far in the Premier League this season? So, the stat I'm asking you on is gold prevented. So, that's the stat I'm, I'm, I'm querying here. So, who has been the best goalkeeper in that metric? Shit, it's either De Gea or Ramsdale, I think. Ramsdale, I'll go with Ramsdale, I'll go home. Okay then. So with a goal prevented of 5.2 is Aaron Ramsdale. Okay, he is statistically the best goalkeeper this season, ahead of David De Gea and Jose Sa. I was actually going to go with De Gea as my De Gea is yeah. my other one. Sa is actually the point leader in fantasy football. He is, yeah, because he has a combined of the uh, of the saves and clean sheets as well. Yeah. Because Wolves are a very traditional team, so. Uh, yeah, so that's another point, Neil. Eight so far. Uh, two questions to go. Can you reach double figures? 
who has on average won the most tackles so far this season? So this is per game. Tackles per game, who has the highest? One more tackles. Yes. Of course, this is standing and uh, sliding tackles, of course, for any FIFA nerds out there. <laughs> um, shit. Fuck. I, I'll go. I'll go with Kante because I've no idea. Kante. Interesting. Uh, it is a surprising uh, answer because it's coming from a Brentford player. Uh, right. It's Christian Norgard. All right. Because he has won, on average, 3.02 tackles per game. Mm. Um, and he plays a right back, so there's no getting down that fucking flank. Uh, and now, Neil, finally, the last question of the season, of this quiz. Who has made the best dribbles in the league this season? So the metric I'm using is called total chance creating carry, which is the most TIFO stat I think I've ever said. <laughs> so it's a dribble that leads to a chance. Oh, sorry. So it's not even the most dribbles. It, it is that plus a chance. Successful dribble plus chance. That's what that is. Right. Yeah. See, that's where it gets a bit tricky because then you have to go. It only counts if the dribble leads to something like a, uh, a shot on goal, a goal or a corner or some shit like that. Bollocks. I have no idea. <laughs> mm. Shit. Who's a player that dribbles loads? You have quite a few in the league this season, to be fair. Yeah. It's not Grealish, is it? You're going to go with Grealish? Yeah, fuck it, because I've no idea. Uh, it's definitely not Grealish. Grealish doesn't even make the cut. Uh, you could have had Mo Salah, who was yeah. third. You could have had uh, Adama Traore, who was right. second. But by far and away, the best dribbler in the league is Alan St. Maximin. Oh, fucking hell. Total yeah, chance creating carry. I'm actually kind of angry I didn't think of him. Yeah, I know, right? Total chance creating carry, which means a dribble leading to a chance for so far this season, 42. 42 uh, dribbles leading to a, uh, a chance is Alan St. Maximan. So that's how, um, that's how prolific he can be. Um, definitely one of my one, one of uh, fun favourites in the league, has to be said. Uh, but yeah, that's the stat attack for this uh, for this uh, end of year special. And uh, Neil uh, recorded a record of eight out of twenty-one, which is not bad, all things considered. Um, he's left now because he's had to get sick because of the fact that he's um, he's got so many wrong. But you know, can't win them all, I guess. Uh, I will do the outro then. Uh, in that case, so uh, guys, thank you very much for uh, listening uh, to this uh, end of season special from your friends here at Monday Madness and at the Liquid Football Podcast. I hope you all have a, a lovely uh, year of 2022. Hopefully it's a bit better than the uh, COVID um, plagues, if you will, a year of 2021. I certainly know I'll be looking for something better than that. But uh, hopefully we start off your year right by listening to us. And uh, if you are enjoying the stuff that we're doing here, uh, by all means, give us a listen elsewhere uh, on our Spotify. You can follow us there where you can listen to all of our podcasts of Liquid Football and the Jellyfield Donut. If you're into Pokemon and you want to rewatch the old cartoon with us, you can do so on that. If you would rather uh, watch more of us, you can tune into our YouTube channel at Monday Madness, uh, where uh, we essentially play a lot of games for your entertainment. Uh, and uh, Neil is very good at doing game reviews, so you can uh, tune in for them as well, if you wish. 
but until then, guys, thank you very much for watching. Oh, and of course, I was going to forget, if you want to keep track of everything that we're doing, you can follow us at Monday Madness LP on Twitter. We have a Twitch channel as well, which is the same title, Monday Madness LP. And of course, if you want to listen to our podcast, uh, follow us on Spotify as well. We greatly appreciate your support. So until then, guys, have a wonderful new year. And we'll see you in 2022 because all of that, even though it's a speed now, was liquid football. <laughs>